Welcome to Hooplecast. I'm your host, Matt, and joining me are my co-hosts... Carol. Matt. Mel. <laughs> and we're we're here to talk about the show that killed Deadwood. <laughs> How did it kill get Deadwood? I, I was curious about that. I remember you talked about it, but... Because David Milch loves it more? Well, it, I, I say that jokingly. I, we covered this before when we were talking about the wrap-up. Mm-hmm. We had an episode, you can find it in the feed, it's called Goodbye and Fuck You. Uh, we covered the, the cancellation of the show and the sort of in, inconsistent accounts of how it got canceled and why. And I would encourage anyone who's, who's listening to this who's curious about the cancellation of Deadwood and how it relates to John from Cincinnati to find my show notes for that. Because I pulled all these quotes from people at the network and from David Milch, and they all contradict each other. <laughs> not only do the people contradict each other, but I think the people contradict their own statements. So it's hard to get it like a true narrative of why Deadwood was canceled and how it relates to John from Cincinnati. But I think there's a general feeling amongst Deadwood fans that if not for John, John from Cincinnati, we would, would have had a fourth season of Deadwood. Mm. I do remember that discussion. It's just that now that I've seen John from Cincinnati, it's like more real you know what I mean? So a lot of the details and stuff that we were talking about, I'll have to go back and, and uh, look at the show notes. And when we get into talking about the show, I've got some, some more quotes and things. But it's just – it's oh. kind of funny that we're, we're covering – you know, we came here because of Deadwood. That's why the podcast is it exists. And now we're finally talking about the show that may have hastened its demise. Maybe. Again, hard to say. There's no – nothing definitive but before we get into John from Cincinnati and, and whether or not we like it or think it was <laughs> a worthwhile production, uh, let's just do a little bit of network news. Hey, we'll, okay, we'll talk about Deadwood since we're on the topic. I'm going to read this article from Deadline.com. The long gestating Deadwood movie is slowly but surely moving towards production. During HBO's Ooh. portion of TCA, HBO president Casey Bloys... Bloys? confirmed that the network is looking at fall 2018 for production to start assuming that we could get all the actors back together and i think really that's the biggest that's the big challenge i think this is something we could do possibly next fall fall 2018 talks wow. with, talks with the cast are currently underway focusing on their availability as for the script by deadwood creator david milch i'm waiting for a rewrite boys said and we have the numbers right but assuming we can get everybody back together i'm feeling optimistic about it and in case you're wondering the deadwood movie is literally movie length two hours don't expect a miniseries all right now do you think it would be like twin peaks in that in order to get everyone back they have to compromise and like Certain characters, they'll only ever appear on one set, and it'll be very clear that they did it all in one day and such. Mm. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how they could fit much story into two hours. I, I I have no idea how it could be. Everyone is so much older. And that yeah. that show existed in such a short frame of time. Like, uh-huh. it that town was built up, and then it was destroyed, and I think built up again. But it, it was like a blip. You know, everyone came, mm-hmm. rushed in to get, make their fortunes, and then left. Like, I, do, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know what it could be about, who's in it. I, I don't know. It's a, it, it'll be interesting to see it, I guess. Maybe yeah. they'll use CG effects to, like, make their faces y- younger again. I doubt. Well, maybe for, like, a scene or two, but 
I, I don't think so for a whole movie. Hmm. Hmm. They'll either go forward in time, or they'll just ignore the age difference. Because, I mean, it has been a while. And they don't, I mean, they don't look all that different. They look different, but not that different. Not if, not if you don't, like, take the pictures and put it next to their faces. Yeah. Yeah, it might work. Just for memory's sake, you know, they don't look that different. Mm-hmm. It, when I look back at some of the old Deadwood stuff, I'm like, oh, whoa, they looked so young. Yeah. Because I've gotten used to seeing what they look like now. Right. Yeah. Do you remember when you know, Will told us that there was an HBO series filming in Portland and he could have been an extra and he was going to go, but then he, yeah, yeah. I guess he, I don't know, decided to do his real job and not go? Ha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He posted a trailer of this on the Facebook group. It's called Here yeah. and Now. It is a drama series by Ellen Ball, who did Six Feet Under and True Blood. And the 10-episode first season will air February 11th. That's the premiere date. Cool. And I will read the description now. Written by Six Feet Under and True Blood creator Ball and starring Tim Robbins and Holly Hunter, Here and Now is described as a provocative and darkly comic meditation on the disparate forces polarizing present-day American culture as experienced by the members of a progressive multi-ethnic family, a philosophy professor and his wife, their adopted children from Vietnam, Liberia, and Colombia, and their sole biological child, and a contemporary Muslim family headed by a psychiatrist who is treating one of their children. Hmm. Interesting. I read this description, and I think it's it's a show designed to give conservatives nightmares, and I'm kind of okay <laughs> with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you did you hear about the Roseanne reboot? Yeah. And yeah. How they're gonna have what was it? Non-binary, the first non-binary char- character or something? Uh, was it? But she's supposed to be a Trump supporter. She is the character. Roseanne is the character is supposed to be a Trump supporter. That was big news. Yeah. Roseanne that, is Roseanne. Yeah. yeah. And people were saying people were saying well considering all the the gay characters and everything else on the original show, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. doesn't sound much like yeah. the Republican Party today. Yeah. But she's saying that Roseanne would be a Trump supporter, so okay. Yeah. Well, a, you kind of have to do that because then it creates friction, which makes it entertaining, right? It's, <laughs> it's in quotes, gender-creative, non-binary child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, that, hmm. that also sounds like Republican nightmare. Mm-hmm. Except that, as I say, Roseanne is apparently supposed to be a Trump supporter, which I wonder whether they're going to deal with the fact that, you know, Trump made a big thing about being an LGBTQ supporter and ever since he got in office has been an LGBTQ nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I wonder if that will come up in her Trump support or whether they'll just ignore that and pretend like he's the messiah or something. Don't know. It'd be interesting. Hmm. Yeah. I probably won't be watching it, but I'm sure it will be interesting. (laughs) Yeah. I like the original series. Um, Didn't watch it all the time, but watched it occasionally. Um, I'd be curious to find out what they do with it, but I doubt that I'll be a regular watcher. Mm. I have seen some of Fuller House on Netflix because I was following along with the How Rude podcast. Oh, And there is a young actor on that show who is very clearly gay. Like, he's so flamboyant. And just, I don't know if the young actor, like, knows he's, he's gay at that because he's, he's young, but you could just, you can, you can tell. And that, 
and but they give him a uh, like a girlfriend on the show, mm. a young girlfriend, and that just felt wrong. Hmm. Possibly, but be- that does that does happen. Whether the kid is going to end up gay or not, that does happen. Yeah, because the society we live in it tells kids that this is how it's supposed to be. So, well, God. except you know, this family is. Um, kind of an unconventional family. They live in San Francisco, although they're never actually seen leaving their house. Supposedly, it's set in San Francisco. You'd think they'd have some progressive values, but instead of the show leaning into their young actors' tendencies and telling something unconventional, they make it very conventional, possibly because uh, Candace Cameron is uh, ultra-conservative and like the lead actress of the show. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's full house. It's I don't know. I wouldn't expect. Yeah, I, I wouldn't expect anything groundbreaking from them. But just going back to here and now, that the Holly Hunter Tim Robbins show. Yeah. I watched the trailer of it. It looks better than it sounds from description. It actually looks pretty <laughs> interesting. Um, yes, there is a the, the the kids are adults, so we have an a, an adult Asian American kid. The one from Colombia, who I think is on Fear the Walking Dead, might also be gay. And he may also be having visions or something, because it looks like there's some sort of magical realism or supernatural element going on as well. Either way, I'm sure it's better than Fuller House. <laughs> <laughs> terrible, terrible show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> and it, yeah, I never watched the original, so I didn't... Oh, the original is awful. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like, we were kids it. when we, we watched it, so it was kind of like, you kind of could look past that. Like, you're too stupid to realize that it's awful. At that time. But yeah, we tried watching it. And as soon as Uncle Joey steps in, it's like, nope, can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> can't do this. He's just like, he went through all of his jokes. He's like, you like know, just in one fell swoop. Just cut, like, cut it out. I'm oh. Popeye. I'm also Bullwinkle. Blah, blah, blah. He's just like, yeah. <laughs> can't do it. And then my last bit of news is that the Watchmen pilot will begin filming in March, but no news on oh. casting. I have no casting news on that, so. Really? Okay. It's going to start filming in March, and they haven't put out any casting news. I think that's very unusual. What? I couldn't that's find. Weird. I couldn't find anything about it. Wow. But I wonder if they're going to be casting right up to the last minute. It happens sometimes. Maybe they've got um, something else to film that doesn't require a cast, like uh, like B roll footage or something. But usually, I mean, they need to have the cast by you know the time they start filming, but. I mean, there have been all kinds of stories about them not being able to find somebody until the last minute and basically finding someone and saying, okay, you start tomorrow and, you know, that kind of thing. But, uh, or recasting, being unhappy with who they cast, but casting them and then change and then changing the casting at the last minute and stuff like that. So we'll see.
That's why we're here. We're here to talk about uh, two HBO programs. The first is John from Cincinnati, which debuted June 10th, 2007. It lasted 10 episodes. Premiere was written by David Milch and Kem Nunn. It was directed by Mark Tinker. Someone has to recap the plot of this pilot, and they've got 60 seconds to do so. I, for- I always forget about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're going to find out who that person is right now with my handy, uh, my trusted app here. Oh, and it's going to be, it's going to be me. Ah. <laughs> uh, you deserve it. Uh, why? <laughs> <laughs> I meant that because, in a good way. Somebody, because you invented this thing. Somebody yeah. wanted us to, well, I did not invent the 60-second plot summary. That is a bit that I stole from Intro to Brought X. It. Uh, Brought it in. Someone well, wanted had- us to to cover all of this series. They thought we should just do all ten episodes of John from Cincinnati, and I said no to that. <laughs> I actually would not be totally have a problem with that. I I watched the first two, and I'd be willing to watch you know the other eight, but uh, for John from Cincinnati, not the other one we watched today. Okay. Matt, you want to get a stopwatch and you want to time me? There uh, we go. I don't have my phone. Just, on just me. click uh, on your clock. Yeah, hang on. And then hang just on. watch the the. All right. Let me get. Let me... Oh, you you gonna do it, Carol? Let me see if I've got a timer on my. I mean, on I can my just, phone. I can just look at the clock on my computer, and then, yeah, uh, and then... whenever he starts, I'll just I'll tell him when sixty seconds is. Or actually, yeah, I'll just keep track. Oh. Sure. Why don't you say go when you're ready for me to start? In okay, go right now. Okay, we are in a surf community uh, in California. I think we're somewhere around San Diego, and uh, Bruce Greenwood is out surfing, and he runs into um, well, the title character John from Cincinnati. Although we don't really know that he's from Cincinnati, he might be from Mars. Um, he's also Dougie from Twin Peaks: The Return, but. <laughs> yes! um, Bruce Greenwood starts floating. Uh, he thinks he's having a, a brain. He has brain cancer or something. But miraculous things seem to be happening where he's floating. Um, a bird has come back to life. I'm not really sure how it anything how it all ties together. But the real crux of the pilot is that their grandson wants to surf at some surf competition, but their son, yeah, their son is a druggie, and I guess commercial surfing turned him into a drug user and now they're afraid it's going to happen to the grandson but the grandma wants him to surf and the grand but the grand wait the grandmother wants him to surf but the grandfather bruce greenwood says no there's also a gay guy who buys a hotel uh it's very weird i don't know who ed o'neill is in this um there's a lot of swearing there's a lot of drug usage it's really kind i don't know the end how did i do did i hit (laughs) one minute 120 Oh my god, I felt like I was going under. <laughs> There's a lot of extraneous stuff that you came up with I, in there. I, I, I don't know what the plot is, <laughs> so I had a hard time. No, yeah, yeah. It's a patriarchal, dysfunctional surfing family mm-hmm. that, uh, that's that been burnt by um, an agent, uh, a surfing competition agent, by pushing their son to pretend to be the bad boy or to to access his worst kind of um 
parts of his personality. I guess. And, <laughs> and ended up becoming a drug drug addicted loser. Blame and, everyone uh, but the kid. Huh? And blame everyone but your son. Yeah, exactly. Blame the agent. And um and they don't and they're afraid of the same thing happening to their grandson who is also uh, apparently these all these guys are extremely talented surfers. He's also a robot. And then this who the this, kid? Who the kid? Yeah. The grandkid? Okay, I got to Yeah. <laughs> okay, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, he might be. So he might be. <laughs> Shawnee. And then this weird guy from outer space shows up. So the kid, uh his his mm-hmm. real name is Grayson. Wait, what is it? Who cares? Uh, he's not really an actor. He's a surfer. Um, That's a lot. Okay, yeah. I've seen this kid before. Really? He's a terrible actor. Because he's been in two but things. I, what's the other thing? Something that wasn't this. I don't know. <laughs> um, you make me cough. I, I, I get that, yeah, that surf, you know, I like that surfing's a part of this, of this show, and it, it provides some uh, texture to it. But I don't think that surfing is really the focus of it. It's it's the family drama. So don't you right. cast an actor first who may show some talent towards surfing rather than casting a surfer with no acting talent? It's like mm. it's not yeah. like you could see their faces when they were surfing. Yeah, it was right. Like really hard to make them out. Yeah, yeah. They could have I- stumbled that. Mm-hmm. So the kid's name is oh, yeah. uh, the character's name is Sean. Or, and his dad calls him Shawnee. I'm going to read you this review from the New York Times. And uh, I'll start at the beginning. I'm not going to read the entire review, but I'm going to read three paragraphs from it. Mr. Milch's new show is not likely to fulfill the nation's yearning to fill the void left by The Sopranos, or for that matter, Deadwood. It's more like Big Love or Carnival, smart, ambitious series that move unusual characters around an unfamiliar setting, imaginatively and even with grace, but that never quite quit the surly bonds of serial drama. Mr. Milch has created engaging secondary characters who have some of the whimsical appeal of the hangers-on in Deadwood, and the family's muted melodrama is intriguing. Hmm, Disagree. The rare glimpses of surfing are thrilling, but the magical realism is not. It's affected, not affecting. Most of all, the story lacks a compelling anti-hero, like Al Swearingen on Deadwood or Tony Soprano, to bring the drama and bring it, or to center the drama and bring it to life. The casting of the leads is a problem. John is essentially a cipher, so he moves more as a MacGuffin than as a leading man. Miss de Mornay is disappointing as well. Sissy is alternately bewildered and belligerent, but Miss de de Mornay does not convey why. The furtive and feral Mr. Perry is not very persuasive as a devious merchandising mastermind. He's more the henchman type. Only Sean, who rarely speaks, has real charisma. Oh, Oh, God. God. What? kidding me what what is this from the new york I times disagree. i oh disagree with almost everything that they say there i mean what the show they... is she watching yeah really really i think she just likes kids yeah not in that way <laughs> <laughs> she just likes she's like oh look at that kid acting he can do no wrong well she's wrong what I'm, I mean was one of my notes before i even found that review is shawnee is not the most charismatic young actor <laughs> I nope. just say he's a he's lousy actor. Terrible actor. Sorry about the fucking mess. The, uh, the grom that I paid to clean up, you know, got hit by a fucking van. How long ago? Yeah. I gotta get a replacement, huh? What's going on? How's, uh, how's sixth grade? It was good. Yeah? You, uh, you want something to drink? Tap water ain't fatal. 
I'm supposed to surf the event Huntington this afternoon. Your grandfather signed off on that? Graham did. That sounds more like it. Think you might want to go? <laughs> no, fuck. Not if you want him to let you on the water. I'm fucking barred up there, buddy. From watching, too? What the fuck do I want to go up there for, Shawnee, okay? Those things are fucking bullshit. Okay. Not for you, okay? You know, I mean, I don't give a fuck if you want to. Okay. Okay, it's not that I don't give a fuck, okay? It's just... When did I ever tell you not to do something is all I'm trying to say, okay? Okay. You know, everyone says you're great. You'll probably fucking win the thing and get sponsored and all that shit. Anyways. Just don't pull your left nut out. Like you did your last event? Yeah, it tends to get you DQ'd. He's lousy. There's also uh, the the punkish blonde girl. Her name is Kai, who works at the surf shop. Yeah. She's also another surfer, not actor, but she's marginally better than the kid. She's. Oh, she, I would say she's much better than the other kid. That doesn't mean she's great, right? But she's much better I, than. I was disappointed. Louise Guzman. <laughs> I didn't oh, find I, him very uh, compelling in this. I don't know how good of an actor he is usually, but. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which one is that? Uh, the guy, the caretaker of the motel, I guess? Oh, yeah. I like him, general. Generally, I like him, oh. but I didn't like him much. He needed a larger shirt. That was distracting. <laughs> His paunch was hanging out. Um, yeah, I think that was done on purpose. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, yeah. Distracting, though. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Why is every HBO show about drugs, by the way? <laughs> no, some of have- them are just about sex. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, but it's always like it's either like there's always a drug addict, and I, I don't know. Well, I don't you know, like watching drug addicts. Yeah, at least in this era, it seems to be like they're really going for that kind of a, yeah. a thing, the underworld of whatever. I wonder <laughs> if Milch put in the drug addict the way that because he's got a, a gambling addiction. We talked about Milch's like a mm-hmm. horse racing addiction um, That's yeah. right. before. Does he have to put addiction in his shows the way that Stephen King has to write? His writers write, write, his, write his protagonists as alcoholic writers. Is yeah, <laughs> they say mm-hmm. write what you know. Is that why? Okay. So it's like cathartic in a I way. So. <laughs> Could be. Maybe Milch is a big drug user too. Maybe. Uh, that was a uh, the guy. Um, the grandfather took stepping on a needle on a beach like way more in stride than I would. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> oh, these drug I'd users. Like, I'd be like ah. Straight to the hospital. Do I have AIDS? You know. <laughs> yeah. Really. Yeah. Um, it. <sighs> he also took floating off the ground pretty well in stride too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he kinda. Just, he just assumed he was dying. Well, yeah. He figured he, he had like, a brain tumor. Plus, he was like, "I have a brain tumor. I probably don't need to go to the hospital." I mean, it's too late for me. It's too late. Like <laughs> what? Like what the hell? If he th- I'm also, also I'm floating. I would what, buy what? that if he had already been diagnosed with brain cancer, but he just is. Di- he self diagnoses. I yes, pumped that odd. Yeah. yeah. Well, the indication was that you know when he had his knee and all of that, he had enough of of hospitals and so forth. Which I know some people are really stupid about hospitals. Why would you think you got brain cancer? I'm hallucinating. You've been getting high. No, it wasn't a hallucination. It's not like acid. 
Huh, you said you were hallucinating. Well, I used the wrong word. So what's the right word, Mitch? Your sinuses are plugged? Because that does point straight at brain cancer. In the lot, after I surfed, I... I was up in the air, is how it felt. Half the time with ear infections, I get dizzy like that. Go to see a doctor. If I've got a tumor, I don't want their machines getting a hold of me. Welcome to the rest of our fucking lives. You surf when no one can see you, me especially. The rest of the day, you're in your clubhouse, and next week or next year, we get the call. Butchie's dead in some fucking dumpster, but the breaking news today, Sean doesn't get out either. Because Big Mitch fucking forbids it. Because 20 years ago, his knee got a boo-boo. A boo-boo. I nearly amputated. Suppose you do have a tumor. Suppose you're fucking dying. How are you going to kill the time before you check out? What about the healing power of sex? But, yeah, I mean, I was not overly thrilled about the the family drama aspect of it. Um, I found once it turned out that there was a supernatural aspect to it, I was, like, intrigued. Um, not blown away, but I was intrigued by... A little bit what, like where they were going to take it. Yeah, that's well, kind of was a little more overt. <laughs> well, a lot more. Well, this mm-hmm. may have gone that way, like eventually. I have no yeah. idea what it does beyond the first episode. Uh, could be. Could have. I watched, I, I watched the second episode. And was there more besides floating and magic? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The interesting thing is what they do, which does put a little bit different spin on it, is okay. I think we all noticed that whatever people suggested would be in um, his pockets were in his pockets. Yeah. Um, I like right? that part. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, everybody got that. That, you know, if you say $50, then $50 is in pocket. Say $2,300, $2,300 is in pocket. Cell phone. Say some form of ID and some form of ID shows up. Yeah. A platinum card. Um, but the supernatural aspect isn't just. When he's there, it seems to be transmitted to the different players. So it's almost like contagious. It's a symptom like he of the end being near. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a, a big pardon? It's a symptom of the end being near, apparently. Apparently, yeah. Now, what he means by the end is near, that's a little intriguing. Um, what he meant by that Mitchell Yost needs to step up, is that how he put it? Somewhat get back in the game. Get back in the game. What he means by that, because they're assuming he means surfing, but is it surfing or is it dealing with his family or um, his son or, you know, what is it? Um, <laughs> but uh, like with the bird, he's not around them when the bird ends up uh, coming back to life. Mm. And spoilers for second episode, um, the kid breaks his neck. And dies. It oh died. my god! It did say he was going to die. Who yeah. did? No, he said he, he wasn't going to be around. Yeah. Who did? The John. Oh. Yeah, he breaks his neck and he dies. Yeah, you and... don't see that actor anymore. 
Well, no, because mm. I I was pretty sure that John was going to bring him back to life. Remember oh. Bird. Uh-huh. Um, but the interesting thing is that John and yes, the last scene of the second episode is the kid's eyes opening up. Oh. And all of a sudden he's, you know, alive. But the thing is that it's not John. John is in the building, just like he's nearby when a lot of this other stuff happens. Uh, he's nearby when a lot of these things go on, but he's not right there. And it's, he is not the one that does something that causes the kid to wake up. Um, so, as I say, there's like this contagious thing going on with the supernatural aspect. And that has me a little intrigued um, where they're going to take that and who this guy is going to be and stuff. Uh, so, in that respect, I could watch more of it. Be okay. It's an int- it's an interesting shading on the on all of it. Um, I'm intrigued by that. I, I also just like the surfing aspect. Um, feels exotic to me. Mm-hmm. You don't see that much beyond. That was the best part. Beyond yeah. uh, Baywatch end. and that one episode of Batman from the 60s. <laughs> the, the end of the episode was the most fun for me. Like just watching them surf, I thought that was mm-hmm. nice. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the family drama itself, I was like, meh. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they they get a little bit, you know, there's a little bit of coming together in the second episode. Um, there's also some yelling and, and what, being stupid. But. That Kai lady, how is she related to them? Like, they, show, they chose a weird way to, like... Explain the family dynamic? To, yeah, use exposition for that. She yeah. was like, I didn't, I didn't even catch what she said, really. She's, I just know she went, like... I'm not his blank. I'm not his this. I'm not his that. I'm like, so what are you? <laughs> I think she works at the surf shop. So yeah. she's not related at all. I was so confused, yeah, about who was related to who and what is going on. Father like, and son look the same age. Yeah, that was <laughs> Yeah, they do. But, you know, drugs will do that to you. Yeah. Um, Oof. Yeah. Um, it took me a little while, and especially grandma. Grandma does not look. She does not look like a grandma. Mm. No. She does not. She doesn't look as old as her husband. But at then least, again, yeah, this at is least television. Not, uh, do they ever? Yeah, she doesn't look like a grandmother who has a grandchild who's over ten. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, the um, Bruce Greenwood's only three years older than Rebecca De Mornay. What about yeah, she, what about his son though? The guy who plays his son. All right, I got to break out the calculator then. All right, hold on here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bruce Bruce Greenwood was born in August of. 1956. And the other guy is 69. So he's 13 years Oof. younger. So the guy was really busy early. <laughs> Made poor life choices early on. Yeah. Yeah. I just wish it uh, had been something other than drugs. Mm-hmm. Like, let the adult son be a, a failure or corrupted yeah. in some way. Where it caused like the dysfunction with his parents, but something other than drugs. It just seems like, like such a like he's a tired, sell- tired thing. He's a total sellout. He's like a, a shill for Wheaties. It's just too like yeah, junkies. <laughs> it's just I don't, I really don't take pleasure in watching junkies be junkies. Yeah, no thing that I just turns me off, and I don't want to mm-hmm. watch it in a TV show. Mm-hmm. Understandably, know, I, don't feel, I don't feel much sympathy for character that does that you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and um somebody said about ed o'neill yeah uh, his character like who is 
I just got the feeling he was a friend of the family who had been really close to... You know, he wasn't an uncle? I thought he was an uncle. I thought he was a family friend, too. I don't know. Why? Like, why is that character necessary? Because he was a former cop. And when they go to the police station, I guess uh, he's got some influence? I don't know. I'm sure the former cop thing will come in. Hey, and then there's Jim Beaver's character. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean... He's Did just he an odd guy around the docks. Hey, frat boy! Drove down to TJ to see the donkey show, did you? Some dickhead spike your drink? Fifty bucks. I'd drop you anywhere's within Imperial Beach. Turn out your pockets. Turn out your pockets! Bunch of goddamn taco benders just ran past me like I was Homeland Security. Too goddamn ignorant to realize who wants to help them. Some things I know and some things I don't. Well, spare me the babe in the woods routine. You just paid to see a donkey fuck a woman. Did he actually uh, take uh, John to a donkey show? <laughs> it didn't seem like it. It seemed like he said he was going to, and then, then they got off track with him talking about Yost and him deciding to take him for 50 bucks to... But maybe in between there, he took him to a donkey show. I don't know, but <laughs> I, would, I would think that I thought you know, the donkey John... Was- Back of his van. Even HBO doesn't go that far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would think that if John from Cincinnati had gone to a donkey show, he would have been saying a whole lot more other things than he was <laughs> <Yeah>. saying. <laughs> yeah, well, this is this is the um, the Dougie Jones from Twin Peaks: The Return uh, effect, yes. where you have yes. a character who is very clearly uh, mentally impaired in some way. Either mm-hmm. from an accident or because he's just like you know uh, disabled, uh, mm-hmm. and all the other characters seem like kind of oblivious to it. I, I feel like you know at least Butchie was sort of like there's something wrong with you, or I don't know, well, tested him yeah. or asked him questions, but but they all kind of just kind of went along with it and just thought it was pretty normal that how he acted, just yeah, like on Twin Peaks. I yeah. never got the feeling that people thought it was normal. I I got the, they were doing something that. Um, has been done in a lot of things. What was the Peter Sellers movie? Um, oh, years ago, Being Alive or something, um, where he didn't really have anything original to say, but because he would repeat what other people said, they would read all kinds of it, things into it and thought he was brilliant because um, he was just repeating what they said uh-huh. back to them or whatever. Yes. Um, and so there was a bit of that where. People were reading stuff into what he was saying. And I, sense. and I liked his how he kind of adopted the accent demeanor of the people he was with. Uh huh. To be like a mirror toward for them. What is your name? My name is John. He's my friend. I'm his friend. Well, friend of Sean. I got my eye on you. I got my eye on you. No, I got my eye on you. No, I got my eye on you. But I just don't think that I, it doesn't happen in real life. Like if a At person point, like this was in was in your life, you would ask so many questions. Who are you? Why are you here? Who is this person? He looks like this person needs help. Like, that? like <laughs> it's not real. It's like oh, it frustrates. Right. Me. Well, I just well, Butchie, <laughs> yeah, Butchie glommed onto him because he had money, mm-hmm. and so from that point on, he was you know, basically with Butchie. But at the same time, like when you said Butchie said something, like when the the guy was going to um, uh, hurt him, 
when um, the drug dealer was, you know, started to get into a fight with John from Cincinnati. Butchie said, he's, he's not right. You know, leave him alone. He's not right, man. He's, you know. Hmm. So he was acknowledging there that, you know, there was, you know, there's something wrong with the guy. And he's, you know, just, you know, he's not somebody that you, well, take seriously, I guess you would say. Yeah. In the second episode, is there any curiosity from any of the characters about who John is? Or do they all just kind of figure he's always been there with them? (laughs) They've, uh, the cop is, he's starts investigating him. Um, the ex cop, good, uh, Bill. Yeah. Ed O'Neill's character starts investigating him. He knows he feels there's something wrong with him. I don't remember whether he started doing that in the first episode or not, but in the second episode, he, he definitely does. But there's so much happening, like between the guy with the motel being so weird and the kid breaking his neck in the surfing competition that not a lot of people really have a lot to think about with John. You know, they don't, they don't have a lot of time. But uh, the cop character is definitely, it's like, I've got my eyes on you. No, I got my eyes on you. No, I've got my eyes on you. No, and I got does, my eyes on you. <laughs> did he take? Did he take the guy's fingerprints in the first episode? I don't think so. Okay, he had he he has he, he took the he calls up the the police station to say that he needs to check on the fingerprints of a guy, and they ask him like, okay, well, what have you got? the fingerprints on and he says well obviously you haven't gone to the water fountain to get a drink today because he was there in the police station yesterday and i've got the handle that he touched when he took got a drink of water right here in this bag so you obviously aren't taking care of your police station because you haven't even noticed that there's no handle on the water fountain so he's trying to get his fingerprints printed and stuff but as i say Kid broke his neck and died, so that distracted everybody. This guy, John, walks into my life. I think there's something wrong with this person. We like he wandered away from a mental institution or something. Mm-hmm. Like, we oh, have yeah. to, we have to find his next of kin. We, who are his parents? Yeah. Does he have any family? Like we have to get we have to get this guy to a hospital. We need to get this kid help. Everyone else though is like, eh, whatever. <laughs> Jim Beaver just his thought was oh he just kind of like crossed the border from tijuana or something it must be some drunk college kid or i don't know yeah i feel like these people "Mm." are so involved in shady dealings anyways that they're just like this is not out of the ordinary for me i hang out with people that are crazy all the time (laughs) i think you're right and i think the other piece is as soon as he started coming up with money puts him in a totally different category yeah now he's not oh we've got to find your family it's Oh, let's come on. <laughs> let's yeah, let's have you pay for stuff. And um and at some point or not, you know, let's use you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People were uh praising Kyle McLaughlin's Dougie Jones acting, but I like this guy's <laughs> Dougie Jones better. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> yeah, he was he was getting I liked his development where he started out just totally clean slate and then you know, he started gathering more and more and more um, information. Had he stopped in the first episode? Did he stop saying some things I know and some things I yeah. don't? Yeah. He yeah. changed it up. He started so, something I else. I don't know, Butchie. 
Yeah. Did they, I don't so, know instead. I did he say what, what did he say that nobody planted in his mind that we know of? It was that. And did he say but she needs to get back in the game? Like he on, said a lot. He had like a lot of predictions. Mitchell, Mitchell yeah, needs to get back his, in the game. All his oh, yeah, predictions Mitch, were all oh, yeah. his own. Okay. Yeah. Mm, some sort of prophet. The end is near and um some things I know and some things I don't. Mm. All we're the only three things I think that he is that right? Sean wanted to enter, Butchie. He's been working on a sponsor me video for months. Why don't you just enter him in a jerk-off competition because he's been working as Johnson in the bathroom? I didn't enter him. Well, you didn't fucking tell me when I walked in here. It's your family. It's not your paycheck. You haven't seen Sean in six months, Butchie. You have no fucking clue, Kai, how much time him and me spend together. Yeah, right. He's a liar. Hey, fuck you, Kai. I tried to throw you some fucking business and you put my balls in a vice? You know what? I don't need you to throw me any business. Okay. Try to fucking bother you. Give my love to my mom. Come on, John. Bye, Kai. God, who does she think she fucking is? She's Kai, Butchie. You know, I signed over custody so I wouldn't louse that kid up. Plus, I had to do your fucking probation. Where is my fucking phone? Some things I know and some things I don't. I don't suppose you have a phone, John, do you? Some things I know and some things I don't. Jesus fucking Christ. You know, every time you want to say some things I know and some things I don't, just say, I don't know, Butchie, instead. I don't know, Butchie, instead. You know, I want to see where my fucking old man is and all this shit. You know, where's Mitch, the holy man, Yost? I like Kai. Yeah, you would, John. I'm beginning to see that about you. You know, you probably could fucking bone her if you tried hard enough. I'll bone her. Yeah? Might want to have to bust her jaw first so she'd shut the fuck up. Who was the blonde looky-loo? I called her blonde looky-loo. Because she, she didn't have any lines, but she was... Second look, episode. Look, second episode, she, she, she does second stuff? Episode. she another alien? Yeah. No, she's a filmmaker. Is she, is she Jane who, from Cincinnati? Is she Jane no. from Cleveland? <laughs> no. Okay. Filmmaker. All right. <laughs> she's, a, she's a filmmaker, and she seems to be in league with... Uh, Luke, Luke Perry. Perry. Yeah, Luke Perry didn't have much to do in the pilot. He had one scene yeah, at the he, very beginning and then appeared silently at the end. I always enjoy yeah. I always enjoy too when they haul out like old tech. <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> these, phones? These old cell phones, yeah. yeah the mm. old texting. It's yeah. funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She seems to be in league with Luke Perry. He they don't seem to really be too fond of each other and and necessarily trust each other, but she's up to more than just making a film. Hmm. And he seems to know what she's up to. Um, and they're, you know, pretending not to know each other and that kind of stuff. So that's like a side mystery thing of what's going on there. I liked Willie Garson uh, as the lawyer who has a thing for surfing and surfers. Like he yeah. just doesn't, he seems so like mm-hmm. not of that world. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Was he one of the Deadwood people? No, he's never. He was never on. Deadwood. He's a burn notice person. Okay, I don't know where I've seen him. Uh, Sex in the City. Was he on Sex in the City? Yeah, no. I think he was. I just and- saw him on an episode of Buffy. I've been rewatching Buffy. Oh, that's- he was oh the- yeah, yeah. He, he was. In- he was in the episode "Killed by Death." He played a security guard. Yeah, yeah he <laughs> was the one that Cordelia was making googly eyes at. That yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but he was. Uh, Burn Notice. He had a huge part in Burn Notice. I appreciate his exposition. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, I liked him and 
Louise Guzman and like I would've been fine if this was just a show about a people running a motel on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> I would be mm-hmm. fine with that. Yeah, because both of them were actually pretty normal. Well, also <laughs> functioning. It, they neither one was really stereotypical per se. Mhm. Um as you say, Willie Garson did not seem like a guy who would be big into surfing. Um but hey, that's and Louis Guzman just seemed like a really nice guy that was just trying to keep everybody, everything working, mm-hmm. you know, and sort of where the wind blew. He, you know, and uh, yeah, I liked both those guys. The Snug Harbor's uh, new owner, Ramon, Mr. Cunningham. Tanto gusto, Ramon. Mucho gusto. If Attorney Dickstein has been discreet... It will now surprise you to learn, Ramon. I'm a winner of the Mega Millions Lottery. Whoa! Oh, congratulations! I disclose this to explain that I am armed in accord with the State Lottery Commission's pamphlet, The Challenge of Sudden Wealth, which urges that winners be cautious in the conduct of their business affairs. Sensible. In any case, after a 20 years interlude in Azusa, I am returned to Imperial Beach. I, I've told Ramon that you intend to keep him on. In fact, Ramon, you won't continue as manager. I told Attorney Dickstein I'd be keeping you on salary. Naturally, I'd assume... I'm going to level this place. Oh, I have many cousins that can help to level when my cousin Margarita works for the Department of Permits. Level it. Level it. What did you think of the of Mr. Cunningham who wins the lottery, and is going to buy the hotel so that he could level it. I wasn't thrilled with that character. That was way too broad. Mm-hmm. It, do we have, like, you guys said he's gay, but is the only... Uh, we don't uh, know that. They called him yeah, gay. Yeah, is it just because... Barry just the because fairy, I think they called him in the yeah. show. Oh, okay, I thought it was... Yeah. Whole and then I, and then I found a review that said like his character wasn't going to win any awards from uh, Glad or something. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I mean, I didn't get he was gay from like just how he was acting or anything, but yeah. No, Butchie, um, Butchie indicated that when he was talking about being bullied by Butchie and whoever else, that's when he said, you know, Butchie indicated that that's one of the reasons they were bullying him, and from then on, the cop. Um, started just took that and ran with it. Yeah. Um, but I, we have why, no do remember, why do I remember that he said that he bullied him because he was there? He just happened to be there, and he was bullyable. <laughs> Isn't that what he said? He might have. I missed some of those lines. Yeah, I couldn't quite understand what he was saying a couple times. I bullied you because everybody else bullied you. Yeah, yeah. Butchie does not seem like the greatest guy in the world. No, and neither does. Pretty much any of the men in that family. No, which is why it wasn't very compelling to me. There's no, yeah. no real redeeming qualities to any of them. Yeah. I mean, I kind of, as I said, I kind of wondered, okay, Jim Beaver's character, you know, what the hell is going on with him? And as some of the, the minor characters, like we've been talking about, were kind of interesting. Yeah. I, there's a show in here. It's just not the show we got. Like I yeah, like that yeah. all the I like the elements of the show. I like the location. I like the surfing. I like the little touches of supernatural stuff. But I don't like how I just don't like the pilot. Like mm. how it all they all put it together is kind of off. 
and they didn't make it at all to me entertaining. Mm-hmm. Out of I don't know, it was blah. <laughs> on the on the one hand, the, like the hotel plot line and the supernatural stuff feels almost extraneous, and also the character of Bill played by Ed O'Neill, it's it's not quite. Like, maybe that stuff doesn't belong in the pilot, and it could have been a little bit more about the family. On the other hand, that's the most entertaining stuff. Yeah. Yeah, if it had been... Because when it was all about the family at the beginning, I was just like, uh... Ugh, yeah. people right. are awful. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so okay, mom... mom uh, grandma goes to uh, Costco, and um, <laughs> she... Oh, yeah. She yeah. knocks some uh, paper towels off a of display. She's like uh, Trump. She's throwing paper towels at, at Puerto Ricans. I don't know. <laughs> She no, no. She's <laughs> being she's sexually throwing... harassed by Was a she? guy. Yes, she's throwing paper towel at uh, di- diabetics. Is what she's doing. Yeah, because... I, I think she was being hit on, but I don't know. Was she being harassed? Well, first, no. Late after that, she she after was that being she hit on. She was being yes. hit on. She then... said no. The guy got surly to her because she said no. And then she could have walked away, but instead she threw paper towels. She threw, she knocked some paper towels that he was putting on. So he called the cops on her. That, and that's, and that's my point. That was ridiculous. She's in the process of checking out. Oh, she's in line at the checkout. Like she's not even going to be uh, a problem for anyone at this point. She's in the process of giving them her money and leaving and they want to get her out of line and, and what arrest? Like what? Why kick her out now? She's, She's getting ready to pay and leave. Like, just let leave it alone. They just wanted to embarrass her. Seems that, seems that, like it. That guy. Oh, he wanted revenge for. He wanted revenge because she turned him down. Yep. It's yeah. How dare she turn him down? Yeah. Step out of the line, please, ma'am. What? Please step out of the line. You fucking idiot with your tin badge and your stupid fucking goatee. Four twenty-seven. Oh, we up to a 427 now. We're going for the Mason Tasers. Please step out of the line. Okay. Hi, these checkout lines are closed, folks. They'll help you over here. Thanks a lot. This guy made a half-ass pass at me. I am a diabetic. I did no such thing. Mm. Come with me, ma'am. Just get your hands off of me. Ma'am. Hey! Get your hands off of me! please. He got surly. He's allowed to get surly because she turned him down. How dare she react, you know, back at him. You got anything else to say about this show? Oh, I was I was gonna say, do when that whole scene though is that supposed to 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 show that she's a known person in that community, like they know that family, and so oh, it's just it's just that typical uh, like there there's grandma, whatever her name is, I don't know. It does Um, seem like they're not well liked. There's the the yost. It does seem to me like they're not well-liked, but at the same time, like, uh, I don't know, revered maybe in a way, because they're surfers, but I don't know. It's a really weird. I don't think they ever, they ever noticed, until she got to the police station, there was never an indication that they knew who she was, per se. Yeah, but the guy, like, the son kept saying, like, oh, I'm, I'm such and such from whatever, like, you know me, blah, you know. Right. Yeah. No. No. The the guys are definitely yeah well known, but yeah. as far as her being, she wasn't being singled out because she of who she was. No, but she was but being singled out because still she, well. She's probably still well known. Yeah. I I got the feeling that she was she was feeling harassed and getting kicked out because she is Grandma Sissy Yost of the Yost family, who are known like 
degenerates or something in the community, like has-beens or something. And she's like, oh, well, they're, there's, they're persecuting me again. That's not how I took that mm. scene. I took that scene as she's getting hit on by this snot-nosed kid, which okay, is really annoying. Okay, but then why is it in the pilot? What what does it add then to the to this? Her, I think her personality that she wouldn't back down and stuff. I mean, they're setting up her, which personally I think it was already set up in that yeah. she didn't back down from yeah. her husband. I agree. So you know, um, I don't know that it was such great writing to keep it in there. Other than oh, did they need them all at the police oh, station? Oh, that's yes, that's right. She had to go to the police station so that they could all convene there. I, that's that's why that's why it's in there. Oh, but then I thought they went maybe because of there was the the violence in the parking lot of the hotel or the gunshot and all right. that. Right. The funniest they thing did, to me. Oh, go but ahead. But they didn't go there for that because that guy got driven home. Okay, so the guy who was shooting in the parking lot got driven home, mm-hmm. and everything was fine. The woman who knocked over some paper towels because she was really upset that this guy was treating her like crap after he had she had turned him down. Um. She got put in jail. So it could be some social commentary there. Okay. I guess I didn't think much of the show that they would have that commentary. I mean, I I noticed it as soon as it started happening. I was like, oh, okay, casual sexism here. Oh, I got the sexism grossness from the, from the dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I didn't think they were layering on a uh, – the guy gets away – the woman goes to jail. Like I, I didn't. Well, I did notice that it did strike me that the guy wasn't down at the police station with them all and had not been brought in or anything. I thought it had more to do the fact, like, like he has money and and they are considered of a lower class because that of could very who, well be yes because of who they are in the community because of their son. I thought. Yeah, it, I think it would have made more sense that way if they had. And you might be right. You might be absolutely right. It would have made more sense that way if they had even said her name and said, oh, you think you're so such hot stuff, you know, because you're a Yoast or something like that. Mm-hmm. But there, her name was never mentioned. It was all about that woman. Also, did, if, this, if, yes. the, if it had been like a smaller store, like a, like a local grocery store, I would have bought that people might know her. But because it was a Costco, like – a town that's big enough to have a Costco, it's got to, she's got to have gone to the suburbs or something, right? Away from her community to get to the, to get to the big, it looked like a Costco. What'd you call it? Yeah. Jenko? I don't know if that's a real store like, or not. Yeah, I think so. Like, I don't know. But it, it, it yeah. seemed like it was not, like she wasn't even in her community. I don't know. I'm tired of talking about her. <laughs> it's, it's a weird thing. I agree. There's, there's some pieces missing in all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, what'd you guys think of the theme song? I don't remember it. Yeah, me neither. I don't remember it. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'm going to read you. <laughs> I'm going to read you some of the lyrics here. It goes, "Lord, there goes Johnny Appleseed. He might pass by in the hour of need. There's a lot of souls ain't drinking from the well, locked in a factory. Hey, look, there goes. Hey, look, there goes. If you're getting, a- if you're after getting the honey, hey, then don't go killing all the bees. Wow. Okay." Lord, there goes a Buick 49, black sheep of the angels, riding, riding down the line. We think there is a soul. We don't know. That soul is hard to find. Hey, down along the road, along the road, if you're after getting the honey, don't go killing all the bees. Hmm. I thought the song, yeah, I remember it now. I thought the song was kind of an odd choice for the type of show it was. 
I don't remember the song as much as I remember the um, the footage that they were using. I mean, it was it, some of it looked very vintage. Yes, it did. You know? it very vintagey, like vintage and surf movies. When, but then also, yeah. hey, here's the border. We're on the border. Yeah, and there was some wrestling in the middle there, and it was like, mm. okay, so the skateboarders. Well, well this and- line here from the song, There Goes Johnny Appleseed Might Pass By in the Hour of Need, that sounds like John. That's, mm. He's he's there right. in, the, in their hour of need. Um, and, I'm, and I pulled the lyrics from a website called Song Meanings, which is always a fun website because people try to interpret what these artists are, what, what the lyrics mean. Um this one person puts it. <laughs> okay, so one said, I think it's about workers' rights, like the worker being the worker bee. And if you want to get the fruits of their labor, you don't destroy them. Okay, maybe I can see that. Um, but then I found this one comment who was like so literal. I'm going to see if I can find it here because um, it just made me laugh. Oh, <laughs> he goes, I, th- I think this song is summed up by the chorus. If you don't... If you're after getting the honey, then don't go killing all the bees. It's clearly about the sad decline of beekeeping in inner London. <laughs> and the direct impact what? on prices in, in in Islington. What? Yes, it's definitely about the decline of beekeeping. Specifically Not in London. beekeeping, but beekeeping in that specific area. Inner London. Inner London. Yeah. Inner London. And the impact which, of prices of honey. Who knew that there was beekeeping in inner London? Anyway, that made me laugh. Let's read uh, Harold's feedback. Or actually, before we get to Harold's feedback, I just want to share some uh, other, what other reviewers said. We already heard from the New York Times. Uh, Brian Lowry of Variety said, It's easy to admire the hypnotic poetry in Milch's dialogue, but this existential surfing fantasy infused with a touch of Starman dips and swerves amid its confounding currents and hardly appears like the standard bearer to help lead the pay service in a post-Sopranos future. Yeah, that's the other thing, is that this premiered the night of the series finale of The Sopranos. Oh, okay. So, I'm not going to spoil the ending of The Sopranos, but I will say that it was uh, divisive and it's still debated today about the last, basically the last five minutes is all anyone talks about. They don't talk about the other 55 minutes of the episode or any of the preceding episodes as, as that show was winding down. They only just focus on the last like couple minutes, but it, I know it left people in a state of confusion and anger and I'm sure they all just turned their televisions off either to, to contemplate what they had just seen or to talk about it. And that's unfortunate. Well, that's just what happened to John from Cincinnati, then premiering a couple minutes later. Like, people were not mm-hmm. in the mood to no. watch a new show. Uh, and Deadwood fans were not in the mood to watch the show they thought killed their mm-hmm. show. Yeah. It had a lot going against it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Matthew Gilbert of the Boston Globe says, Watching HBO surfing drama John from Cincinnati is like sitting through a bad play at a tiny experimental theater. The dialogue is loud, pretentious nonsense, signifying nothing but the creative dangers of mimicking Sam Shepard, Edward Albee, and Samuel Beckett. And the acting is a psychic traffic jam, because the actors don't understand their characters, because their characters are no more than vague symbols of what? Being? Nothingness? And the fury of being nothing? And as the actors grimace and squeeze out existential rage, rage against the machine, using the F-word with much forced casualness, you too want to rage against a machine, the clock, which is defining your waste of time. In short, if Gary Busey were a TV series, he would be John from Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mm. I, I'm curious as to 
whether how this series went though i must admit because um, i could see it getting better i mean i felt like the second episode was better in a way but at the same time i knew that the kid was going to get cured by john it turned out that it wasn't specifically john but it was obviously because of john yeah. I, I don't know how much of a grasp the creators had on on this material, because I, I posted this quote in the Facebook group, but this is directly from the executive producer and director of the pilot, Mark Tinker. He says, we would sit, the producers, and joke among ourselves, what is this about? Nobody had a clue. <laughs> I, think okay, that's rather, well, I think that's rather telling. Yeah, unless he's semi-joking. Which but... is that the pieces are there, but they don't mm-hmm. know how to make them all fit. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm going to read this um, back and forth. Well, this is called Vulture Translates HBO's Apology Letter to David Milch Fans. HBO recently issued a letter of apology to fans of producer David Milch's canceled series, Deadwood and John from Cincinnati. The letter, which was scanned and posted in full on SaveDeadwood.net, is undoubtedly regretful and conciliatory. But its explanations for the show's demise is thick with careful turns of phrase that shy away from providing the sort of candid details that would allow fans to pin the blame on anyone in particular. Lucky for you, we've pulled out our PR flack to English dictionaries and have translated several key passages for your convenience. And I've got uh, two of their translations. HBO says, Still, for whatever reason, from the start, John did not click with either the audience or reviewers and continued to lose traction throughout its season. We saw no reason to invest the time, effort, and expense of continuing a series which, as much as we'd hoped otherwise, show no indications of turning its situation around. Here's the translation. Seriously, bro, John from Cincinnati was so mind-numbingly dull that it somehow makes that show about the affluent white people complaining endlessly about not getting enough sex seem thrilling and insightful in comparison. We can't tell you that the show sucked officially, but please take the hint. HBO says, undoubtedly, Mr. Milch was disappointed with the cancellation as we were, but it should stand as some kind of testament about his faith in our standards and the way we operate that he chooses to continue to develop programming with us. Translation, you know that really annoying married couple on Tell Tell Me You Love Me stays together despite a fundamental lack of chemistry? Our relationship with Milch is a bit like that, but with a lot more gratuitous profanity. (laughs) Wow. So let's find out what Harold thinks. We'll have uh, Mel read this one. Sure, sure. Here is some last-minute feedback. I've been sick all week, and that may have contributed to my inability to get involved in either of these shows. No, it hasn't. No, I don't think so, Harold. (laughs) (laughs) Then again, I've finally gotten around to watching The Handmaid's Tale this week, and that's been fucking me up in the head pretty good. So maybe it was something lacking in these shows after all. Yes, yes it was. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't have a strong reaction to John from Cincinnati. I'm trying to be objective and not think about all the the behind-the-scenes decisions, because that really has nothing to do with the actual quality of the show. On the merits, and just looking at the pilot episode, it feels like this could have gone on to be something interesting, or it could have been a confusing failure. On the plus side, it had a great cast, intriguing family dynamics, that unique Milch dialogue, and the insular world of surfing... It's a setting that has great potential. Potential. I'm not sure about how well that religious or mystical aspect would work out. I wasn't a fan of it in Carnival, and I'm not a fan of it here. A character doing something mystical on a TV show is not intriguing in and of itself. 
and John doing the Chauncey Gardner, or should I say Dougie Jones, routine was not nearly as charming as Peter Sellers or Kyle MacLachlan, even if you hated one or both of those roles. I think my feelings of meh were best captured in my lack of reaction to two non-events. I never cared that Sean was missing his big breakout competition. Also, the scene when everyone converges on the motel seems like it is trying to be some sort of big bravura moment, but it wasn't. It was just a moment when everyone ending up in this. It was just a moment uh, of everyone ending up in the same place. Even assuming that this was because of the mystical shit that is going on, it just didn't have the same type of juice that, say, the scene in Deadwood when everything came together to result in Bullock's son being trampled by a wild horse. Would I have watched another episode? Probably, I would have then. But now, knowing that what I do about the troubled history of the show, I'm not willing to invest in watching any more. <laughs> Picking up on one of those things that Harold said about the Milch dialogue, there there is this one line in the police station where uh, Bruce Greenwood's character says, I, I can't remember who he says it to, but he says, does that about get it all said? And the construction of that sentence, just it feels so Milch. It feels so much like, like what Al Swearengen would say to to somebody. Does that about get it all said? Mm-hmm. And the deli- and the delivery of it was really good, and it really made me miss uh, Deadwood dialogue. But this didn't feel like it had the that dialogue. Great, those I agree. Great, those great uh, quotes. It was co-written um, with Kem Nunn, who wrote an episode of Deadwood, but he is best known as an American novelist, surfer, magazine, and television writer from California. His novels have been described as surf noir for their dark themes, political overtones, and surf settings. He is the author of five novels, including his seminal surf novel, Tapping the Source. Surf noir. Surf noir. Wow. It's an honor to be in the company of a surfing legend. No, thank you. We lost you too soon to your knee. No, I get around all right. And your son also to his many difficulties. Well, you see him breathing there. Competitively, I meant we've lost him. Does that about get it all said? Except for my thanks for the pleasure you gave me as a spectator. You're welcome. All right, uh, let's rate it. Who wants to go first and answer that question? Would you watch another one? <laughs> mm. Um... Well, again, I didn't watch another one, so that answers that question. Uh, the way you spoke about it, I expected like the worst thing ever, but maybe that's just your... Uh, Who? I said that? I thought I in- indicated it was the worst thing? I think maybe it's just your hate for it killing Deadwood. Maybe yeah, it was, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't remember what you said specifically about it. That's fair. But I just know you hated it with every fiber of your being. Mm. Um, <laughs> Sounds like an exaggeration, but okay, go on. Uh, but yeah, so that so I didn't hate it as much as I assumed I was going to. Um, I kind of enjoyed the Dougie Jones character, uh, <laughs> uh, John. Um, there was just confusing family dynamics a little bit. I hated the kid. Uh, 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 yeah, well, I'm not sure what to think of the supernatural stuff. <sighs> not sure if that's needed, but maybe it goes somewhere interesting. Who knows? Uh, I don't know. I'll give it a 6 out of 10 horrendous dumps. Mm. It would make a man <laughs> proud. <laughs> 6 out of 10 or 6 and a half? 6. I six. wrote six, out of, I wrote 6 and a half originally, but I'm going to drop it to 6. Okay. <laughs> 
Well, I'll go next. Um, I, I think I watched like half of the pilot when it aired with, with such a degree of, of skepticism and, and resistance to it because I was upset that they canceled Carnival and Deadwood and they made this show. And I'm like, well, let's, I'm sure it's cheaper than the other two, but let's see if it's good. And I think I got about halfway through it and I was like, this isn't for me. Now I, I decided I would approach it this time, uh, on its own terms. And so on its own merits. And I, as I said, I liked elements of it. I liked some of the characters, all mostly the supporting ones. I liked the setting, the surfing, which is surprising because I have no connection to surfing at all. Like I've, you know, I'm from the greater lakes. I've, I don't, uh, live by the, on the coast, but, um, kind of do now, but yeah, there's something kind of exotic and fun about it. So I like that. And, and we'll see about the magical realism, the mystical part of it. Um, it adds a shading to it. That's kind of intriguing, but I just find it, uh, plot wise a mess. And the characters are mostly infuriating and the drug use is gross. And <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It, it should have been more focused. It should have been, I think about like one thing, like about Sean's surfing like it should have been about the competition and then maybe he was injured at the end of the pilot and comes back or something like it needed a little extra kick and if they had brought in the the owner of the motel in the second episode but had put the sean stuff front load of that in the first episode it would have been better uh as it is i i'm gonna give it five and a half out of ten cowabunga dudes they probably were trying to cram too many things in that one episode. I, might, I suppose I might as well talk about it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't like it very much. I found myself kind of bored by the whole episode. I pretty much I pretty much have the same sentiments as you guys. It's just kind of a mess. It's all over the place. Yeah, they're just putting too much in the episode. Like, none of the characters are very relatable or redeemable uh i'm gonna give it a four out of ten diabetic pickup lines because how many can there be (laughs) really (laughs) Mm. you could make a really good show about a surfing community and i don't know why no one's done that yet yeah maybe they did it in like australia there's like a really awesome australian surfing show show. Mm. did you rate it she gave it a four a four Four. out of ten Diabetic I missed that. Okay, so I guess it's my turn. Um, it's the same rating she gave the corner. Is that okay. about two diabetic pickup lines? <laughs> uh, no, I meant as a four <laughs> out of ten. Um, I I also was not thrilled about the main characters. I really didn't see that the um dialogue was up to what one would expect from Milch. Um. Sometimes I felt almost like it was trying too hard. Um, but when the supernatural element came into it, it helped. I found that it helped a lot. It was a lot more intriguing and mostly because of the way they dealt with it. I think if, if it had been a really standard thing, then, um, that wouldn't have helped. But the fact that it, I really have absolutely no idea who this guy is other than he's, he seems to be there to help them come out of this morass of of horribleness that they're in. Um, I mean, this family. But 
the end is near doesn't sound quite like that. Um, so I did watch the second episode. I'm glad I watched the second episode. I would watch a third one. I don't know that I would get all the way through the series if it doesn't like look like it's actually going to get itself together and go someplace. Um, but I would give it another shot. That said, I still would only give it maybe a six and a half out of ten um, supernatural contagions. Mm-hmm. God, I hope you didn't hear me laugh there, Carol. I wasn't laughing at you. <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing at Matt's notes. <laughs> You're allowed to laugh show. at me, Matt. No, I was laughing at Matt's notes for the next show that we're reviewing. Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, uh, let's talk about the the, the next show. Uh, typically, I, I break up our segments by playing the theme song uh, to the show that mm-hmm. we're going to talk about. Uh, but this one doesn't have a theme song or a main title sequence. It just starts yeah. and uh, they give you the titles at the very end, which like that right away that pisses me off because I, very yeah, few networks give you the latitude to create a main title sequence and have a theme song. But HBO is one of them. So to not do it is like a slap in the face. (laughs) I feel. Title lovers everywhere. (laughs) I Uh, hated this show from the beginning right there. Okay. You hated it? Well, I hated it. It's called Tell Me You Love Me, and it debuted September 9th, 2007. It lasted 10 episodes. The premiere was written by Cynthia Mort, directed by Patricia Rosema, and it was one of those rare shows uh, that HBO renewed and then changed its mind about. The same thing happens to to the shows Luck and Vinyl. They renew them, and then they say, you know what, second thought, no thank you. Nah. Um, so the second season never gets produced? The second season was never produced. They The creator couldn't agree with the network on a direction for the show. Yeah. Someone has to recap... Uh, the pilot, though. Uh, and I know it's not going to be me. With my luck, it'll be me. Um, it is not you, Carol. Mel, you've got 60 seconds to tell us everything oh. that happened. And tell me you love me. If you go tell over, me. you lose. But if you're ridiculously under, uh, you're a, a chump. I am a chump. <laughs> tell Matt you love him. <laughs> I'm staring into your eyes right now. <laughs> Very creepily. <laughs> oh, okay. When do I start? I'll get all right, I'll count you down. Three, two, one, and go. Okay, so there's a lot of sex. There's a lot of couples. They're having troubles. Uh there's like, I don't know. A woman that has a beautiful uterine lining, and she's got trouble conceiving, and she's going behind her husband's back. There's another couple who's just not having sex, and then the wife decides she wants to see a couple's therapist, but the husband doesn't. I think maybe he's gay? I don't know. Um, The other couple, the guy that can't promise his his fiancé that he won't cheat on her, or won't, no won't fall in love with someone else at some point what's the other couple i can't remember the end (laughs) oh 46 seconds (laughs) you are a you're a chump yeah yeah i knew that already (laughs) 
and I love you. <laughs> <laughs> the chump who loves me. <laughs> yes. uh, all right. Anyways, yeah. So you hated this mm. character. I hated this. I, you know, I didn't start out hating it, but I agree that I didn't like the fact that it just started um, because I wasn't sure, like, like there'd been a whole thing with me of trying to make sure I watched the first episode of each one, um, and that didn't help. But uh, yeah, I. Did you watch the second of of these episodes? No. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. No. By the time the first one was over, I was just so glad it was over. Mm-hmm. Mm. I was first of all, I was bored to tears, mm. and you know when you're dealing with softcore porn <laughs> that turns into. Porn, even if the guy's penis is a fake. I mean, um, it, you know, and saying you're bored to tears—that's that's pretty bad. Uh, but I, I was more bored by the surfing family than yeah, than same, these same, same. Oh, I at least the surfing families had some other people. I mean, there were other people breaking it all up, you know, and there was that supernatural element kind of was intriguing and all. This, I mean, these people could not even, I get it. The point of the the series, from what I saw, was the way people in society use sex in relationships. Except, of course, they picked the most dour, boring, or horrible ways to use sex in relationships. It's like... But a perfect couple wouldn't be fun to watch. (laughs) Although there is one, uh, maybe, like the... The therapist or whatever, she is the Im- implication that her sex life is perfect? I don't know. I doubt it. Actually, I, think- I saw a little thing where it indicated that she had problems. I was just looking at stuff. Hmm. Okay. At the end, yeah, she, her husband seemed maybe confused. Yeah, but her, even her husband was like, hey, I retired so we could spend time together. And then she just goes off to work. Hmm. So obviously hmm. there was kind of an issue there with that. Yeah, I suppose. <clears throat> but I'm sorry. <laughs> there's sometimes sex should be fun and there was one moment when one couple actually did have some fun yes. yeah because they were being sneaky yeah because they were being sneaky um although she was awfully noisy for being sneaky yeah i was like there's someone's gonna walk in she on knew them. her mother-in-law was loud enough to cover it up <laughs> yeah awkward though but i mean part of me was like Sex can be pretty funny at times. I it don't would know have, about this. Could have used some humor. It would have been funny. Exactly. If, what if they had had a big party and they had snuck out, snuck away to have sex? Like, like you know how at parties where people like throw their coats on the bed, like on a big bed, and everyone just throws oh. their coats on the bed. Like if they had all had sex, like in everyone's coats. This this show was already gross enough because yeah, it really was everything. You could see the squirting, like it was just so graphic. Like I was like, I don't want to see that. Ew. Um, I mean, and the picture—it's like, oh, let's have a picture that you know shows his testicles hanging from between her. Yeah, it's like really, you know, if if I wanted that view, it's you know, you put a mirror in the right spot. I mean, why? Matt and I were wondering about the logistics of filming a sex scene. We're like, how do you, how does it work? Like, you know, so that there's no like. Were any of these couples actually having sex? Yeah. Okay, so I've got, I've got a, I've got a bunch of trivia here. They're not supposed to be. No. So 
Now, uh, okay, so I have some trivia. Um, one of the things I read, I'm not sure that if this is true or not, but you, perhaps you cannot actually have um, actors have real sex with each other and still be in uh, the Screen Actors Guild. There might be some sort of union thing that that's not uh, permissible. That's what one person said. Like, it would never happen with union actors. Um, but what I remember before this aired, there was a lot of... Maybe not controversy, but discussion around like how realistic uh, the show was because they c- critics kept asking HBO and the creator, uh, and her name was uh, Cynthia Mort, for um, clarification about the sex scenes. And the answers were always vague, and it nope. seemed like it was intentional to, to stir a conversation about it, to, to pique mm-hmm. curiosity about the show. Rather than just being like very um, explicit and say, uh, no, the sex is not real. Of course not. Yeah. Instead, they just kind of played it coy. Yeah. Um, well, that's the feeling I got that, I mean, almost all of it was totally gratuitous. You, because, for you. <laughs> yeah, they didn't, the sex scenes didn't really add anything that suggested sex scenes couldn't add. Yeah. You know? I it, felt like it added, at least it added some kind of energy or something. I feel like without the sex, it would be that much more boring. It, it was, it was like, it was, it was like really awkward sex, a lot of them. And I can a see lot why, of it. because it's a lot of like awkward relationship problems. Right. Sex is awkward to begin with, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Here, we, we read... Alessandra Stanley's review uh, from the New York Times of John from Cincinnati and disagreed with most of what she said, uh, especially the the point about Sean having the most charisma out of the entire cast. Right, <laughs> um, and she also said that 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 made this one look interesting, and it's like no, it really didn't. Sorry, so go on. this is what she says about uh, "Tell Me You Love Me." She says the sex in HBO's "Tell Me You Love Me" is bold but not brave. Explicit scenes of young, lithe bodies having it in many places and in all manners, including Solo, are plentiful in the first few episodes. Yet when it comes to a white-haired elderly couple, the camera looks away, sparing viewers the shock of seeing sagging bellies and wrinkled limbs in the throes of carnal bliss. The novelty of Tell Me You Love Me, besides the graphic sex, is the absence of most of the peripheral people and events that normally fill a life or a television show. Neighbors, co-workers, in-laws, job interviews... Plumbing troubles are all but airbrushed out. There is barely any music, and the series is shot in a wintry, washed-out palette that at the moment is fashionable on all sorts of dramas and police procedurals, but that also brings to mind Ken Burns' documentaries. Almost as as if in homage Mm -hmm. to Woody Allen's interiors, the bedrooms, kitchens, and workspaces of the main characters are colored in muted beige, gray, and brown hues. Even the red in a child's kindergarten painting posted in a suburban kitchen is more of a faded rust. It could be monochrome as metaphor, a signal that all marriages are alike and that all marital differences are essentially the same. More likely, its style is self-defense. If it looks like art, then it can't be pornography. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, well. Um, here's what, and we read Variety's review of the other one, so we'll read uh, 
a couple paragraphs from, from his review of this one. He says, unlike Showtime's Californication, which also exploits pay cable sexual latitude, Tell Me You Love Me does feel raw, honest, and real, pulling you along as ordinary couples grapple with bad decisions, again, mostly the women, and struggle to find happiness. Moreover, the Alexander Selby union is symbolically thrilling. When was the last time, after all, you saw a couple in their 60s having sex anywhere, much less on TV? Yet those positives are leavened by the program's deadly sincerity and almost total lack of humor, as well as moments when the sex's graphic nature proves distracting, as in, hey, were those his balls? Disconnecting (laughs) you from the show's reality. In that respect, Tell Tell Me compares unfavorably with HBO's Big Love, which also tackles the vagaries of marriage, albeit from a more exotic starting point. Granted, it's perhaps appropriate that an ambitious series striving to deal authentically with relationships would be messy, complicated, and at times frustrating. Like, uh, yeah, Big Love talks about that too, but like this has more than one family, so it's, it can tackle more than one problem. Um, this isn't an anthology series, is it? Because I think it would work as one. Um, I think it could be as well. Um, we're going to be talking um, next time about a rather hmm, similar, in a sense, show called uh, In Treatment, and, uh, and we'll talk more about that when we get to the end of this. But that's an anthology series as well about people and their problems, where it's okay. different different people. So couldn't this have worked where maybe one season was bad, but then season two was a different set of couples with different problems? Yeah, or just every episode is different couples with different problems. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, love American style. That's going back yeah. some ways. That was a comedy. Um. Yeah, I mean, between this and and a movie I saw the other night, I, you know, it was really, it was so dour that it was like, okay, uh, fine, remind me why I'm not married and I never want to get married and and <laughs> I may never date again because, you know... Obviously, relationships are doomed and sex is disgusting. And, you know, that's not how I remember it, but okay. Um, no, it's, I was just like, these people. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. These people are frustrating well, and annoying. Let's talk yeah. about actors. Who was, who was in this? Uh, Jonesy from Carnival. I knew that was guy there. from Burn, Burn oh, Notice. Jonesy. Another guy from Burn Notice. Oh, Jonesy. You mean, J- wait. Who's in Burn Notice? It was in this. Same guy. Yeah, the husband. Uh, oh, yeah, the, the the masturbator. Yeah. Yeah, I knew that. Oh, was. Tim Decay. Who's in that? Okay. Yeah, he was the not Burn oh, Notice. No, he sorry, he was Burn on White Collar. White Collar, and so was the other guy from the other show, White Collar. Not. Burn oh, okay, Notice, okay. You're getting your USA Network characters welcome shows confused. Yes, mm-hmm. I know. Thank you. I'm sorry. I you know I'm very scattered right now. So. Um, who's Who's the lady who wanted to conceive? Penny from Lost. Penny from Lost. Penny from Lost. I knew that. I knew she, she was, was on Jody. something else too, right? Because because I didn't watch Lost except for like the first season. S- Sonia Walger or Sonia Walger? She's been in several. different Yeah, she was. She was in. I know her from something else. And her husband was. He's Ben. A- ben from Parks and Rec. Adam yeah, Scott. He's yeah, yeah. Adam Scott. That's it. And then um, the young couple. I don't really. I haven't really seen them. Them I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't recognize um, them. Many I know things. the. Gu- I know the guy Luke Kirby was in the first season of Slings and Arrows, the Canadian show about 
basically ba- about a Stratford festival. We t- we talked about that one before. Um, and then the girl, though, she's the one I really don't know. Let me see what she's been in. Yeah, I was kind of waiting for these to have some kind of connection. Oh, well, uh, her name, her name somewhere. is Michelle Borth. Oh, she's on fifty-seven episodes of Hawaii Five-O. Sure. So that's okay. what she's been up. That's what she's been up to. And um, then we have Allie Walker. She was in pro. She was on Profiler. She's she's a TV actress. She's been in a lot of stuff. And I recognize Jane Alexander. She's been in a lot of shows. Well, let's see who she was most. What she was most recently in. Uh, she played a judge on The Good Wife, The Blacklist. I like The uh, Blacklist. She was in Terminator Salvation. Matt. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't recall. Mm-hmm. Oh, that first one, the the woman and the young couple. She, the, she was on Supernatural. Played uh, one episode of Supernatural. Played Dean's uh, dream wife, dream girlfriend. Mm. I recognize a lot of these actors. It was fun seeing them in an earlier project. Um, I did recognize a lot of faces. Um, better of their faces, faces than their asses. I was going to say, or their or their beautiful uterine linings. <laughs> Speaking of faces, though, the short time that faces were actually on the screen. So, speaking of faces, um, that that young couple, the guy, was it just me or did his his beard keep appearing and disappearing? (laughs) Well, guys do do that, but But it was like on an on a like hourly basis. (laughs) Yeah, this only took place over the course of like a day or two, right? Yeah, like one scene, he'd have a beard, and then the next, like they were at a party, he had a beard, and then. And then she walked away for a minute, and then when she came back, he didn't have a beard. And I was like, what's oh, happening? Is that's... this the same guy? <laughs> is... I think I did notice that now that you mention yeah. it. And mm. I thought it was a different guy at first. I didn't know what was happening. And, and the, you know what else about faces? What? What do we think of Tim Decay's O-face? <laughs> His just whole O demeanor was weird. I've never seen a depiction of masturbation with somebody <laughs> that into themselves. <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> He was like really sensitive. <laughs> so to quickly recap the the three main couples in this, uh, we have Tim Decay and Allie Walker. They are a, a married couple in their probably what forties. They've got some young kids, mm-hmm. and they're intimate, but they have no sex life. Then you've got um, the the really young couple who have okay. sex but no intimacy. See, it's right. ironic. Uh, <laughs> Because they are opposites, uh, and then you have the the couple in, in the middle who just can't get pregnant. I guess that's their deal. They have sex, but I, nothing. They don't get pregnant, and they I feel would, like it's homework. I would argue the opposite that the sex the couple who can't get pregnant has no intimacy, and but the young couple has no trust. Mm, okay, I think and, of intimacy and trust as being intertwined. They don't want to talk about their problems. It's like that's all of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The one that ha- can't get pregnant won't talk about their problems. Yeah, and denies denies their problems to other people, and then they're going for counseling, but won't admit that there's a problem. Yeah, and lies about there being a problem. You know, I wondered if maybe it's giving the guy too much credit, the young guy, but I I wondered if his kind of blase attitude about commitment was more of a preemptive self-defense of, of her cheating on him than, like, than him cheating on her? I don't know. No. Didn't no. Think- uh-uh. No. Nope. But 
do we believe him <laughs> at the end when he said he would no. never do it? Like no, he, he was very, no. he was honest at first for a long time, you know, like not lying. She outright. wanted him to lie to him and or then, to lie to her. And then at the end, I wasn't sure if he just decided to lie finally. Yeah, or if he. Uh, really- yeah. But he didn't put it very romantically. He's like, I will never fuck anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> I might do an awful lot of other stuff with them, but yeah. I won't yeah. do that. Mm. I've I found, I found my way of getting out of this. <laughs> I will, when I say, when I said I'll deal with it, I meant that I would do all kinds of stuff to make myself feel good, but I now tell you that I will not do that. Mm-hmm. Do you really, honestly, do you think I'm the only guy you're ever going to want for the rest of your life, ever? I mean, we're talking 60 years. We're not talking about me. Well, I just think we could start our marriage with being honest about shit. Well, I don't think I want to start a marriage with someone who's telling me he's going to cheat on me. That's not what I'm saying. Yes, it is. No. Yeah, it is. No, you're not saying it, but that's what you're saying. <laughs> oh, this is fucked up. I, why didn't you tell me this before now? I mean, we've talked about everything, right? We've talked about our kids, our future, who we want to be, what kind of fucking pots and pans we want to buy, but you don't tell me that you don't plan to be a monogamous? Fuck you! <sighs> Wait. Wait, 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 wait! I want you to know everything about me. Who I am, what I believe, and love me for that. I want you to love me for who I am, not for some bullshit idea. I don't know how to deal with this. Well, I can't just abandon what I believe. And I can't just marry you! You're not gonna marry me? You're not gonna marry me? I I can get really cynical in general. <laughs> and this show just No, it's not every, true. Tell, I know, tell me it ain't so. But <laughs> admittedly, I can get very cynical. And it's something I fight about with myself. But this is kind of show just brings it right out in me. It's like, no, these people, you know, none of them can be trusted in a relationship. And... uh Oh, I don't know about that. The, 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 the you know, the woman, have problems, the woman, but it seems like they can work through it. The woman in the, in the relationship where the guy um, won't have sex with her and won't talk about it after however many years marriage. Uh, she, I mean, she seemed like she was, you know, actually quite a, the women in general, except for the one who couldn't get pregnant. The yeah. other t- three women seemed to come off pretty well, but. Um, you know, the one who couldn't get pregnant was, ugh, and, <laughs> and all three men were crap, so. Why, why wow, okay. Resi- <laughs> why do we re- think uh, Tim Decay was resisting sex so much? Mel thinks it's because he's gay. Well, but- I don't know, it was just maybe, but I, it could just be that he's just comfortable, maybe, maybe he's like, uh, what do you call that, uh, Ace- uh, asexual? Or- yeah, maybe he's just what asexual. Is, what is it when you're in love with yourself? Maybe it's <laughs> narcissistic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe he finds it frustrating to have sex. Maybe, mm. maybe it's I don't know. Maybe he's not willing maybe to. He just share. doesn't have a he doesn't have a sex a sex drive or 
Just, well, but he's willing to but, masturbate, though. Yeah, and but he, it's he maybe it's fleeting. Even, but well, but with her, it's like a whole thing or something. And he wouldn't even do it for her. Like she's like, yeah, you know, kind of like we should have sex. And he's like, no, we don't need to have sex. And like he's like very resistant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's something going on there that whatever it is, the reason I, you know, just make this blanket statement that he's crap is that you know she's suffering. He says he loves her. She's suffering. He needs to own up to whatever it is that's going on. When you talk about be a man, well, you know what? Emotionally, that counts. This isn't who I want to be. What is it? You never, you never help me. Honey, I do help. All I do is help. Sometimes I get sick of helping. I just think that we need to talk about it with someone. Oh, you're kidding. No. Oh, Oh, I don't... Oh. You you really want to do that? Turn us into a couple with problems? That's a slippery slope. Uh, well, so is this. I don't think so. You remember when I got up Saturday morning to take a shower? Early. Well, I saw you. Masturbating. I mean, I didn't mean to, you know. I, I didn't know that you were waiting for me to leave. Honey, I wasn't... Oh, honey, I wasn't waiting for you to leave. I just... I, I, honey, so what? I mean, who doesn't masturbate? So, so what? what? So what? I haven't seen that look on your face in a really long time. At least not for me, you know? I mean, you're always saying you're too tired, but you're not too tired. Oh, I'm too tired for this. Hey, I love you. I love you. I... I love you, and too bad that's not enough. Oh, such bullshit. Plus, he ended up using sex as a negotiation tool, which is really oh, yeah. gross. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That last thing where it's like, oh, yeah. well, you know, if if uh, you won't you want, be a counselor like... anymore, I'll, I'll have sex with you. It's like, yeah. go to hell. Yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> What were you gonna say, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Which Matt? You. I heard you were gonna say something. Uh, I was gonna read um, a quote from Adam Scott, and I was also gonna ask, like, what did you guys think of the um, the hand job scene? Like, why? Why? I thought that was stupid. Why did she do that? Why? I'm not she sure. She did they... it. I think she was getting a sample of his of his sperm. Oh, See, I, oh, I, I thought, for the okay. I thought yeah. she was really she like to be tested. Yeah, I thought literally, like, what was going to happen, and I even told Matt this while she was giving him a hand job. I was like, she totally has a vial in her back pocket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Relax. Yeah, so she... except that then she just looked at her fingers, yeah. which was like, okay. I think she thinks he's defective. I think she's... Oh, yeah. Yeah. She definitely... Okay, so that yeah. is... That's, that's, that's awful, then, if that's what Oh, was yeah, happening. she's terrible. She's horrible. Yeah, because if she's like going behind his back and getting her, getting herself checked out to make sure she's okay and not telling him about it. Wait, what? But why? Why wouldn't they do it as a couple though? If they're trying to conceive and they're having problems, why wouldn't they both be tested? Because he he doesn't seem to like the pressure of trying to conceive, and she can see that. And uh, yeah, like she thinks she I'm thinks kidding. it's his fault. She because she really wants to get pregnant, and he doesn't seem to want to get pregnant so so much. You know, like it, it's so? not. 
Well, it, that's what it seems like because she's like, "All right, it's time. Like, let's have sex right now." And he's like, "Real?" Like, uh. well, he just resented the fact that she. Was yeah, but she seems like she seems she seems baby crazy to me. Mm. I know this was an important month. Marks a year that you've been trying. Must be difficult to face. It's important not to look at this in terms of success or failure, and it's crucial that you face this together as a couple. Just like you'll face many other things in life. I don't think that's the issue. Uh, you know, when we're not people who run from things, we're here, right? So. Good. Let's talk about how you feel about not getting pregnant. Do you blame Palak? <laughs> no. Palak, do you agree? Totally. Yeah. Good. What's your sex like? Oh, great. Always has been. Mm-hmm. Do you resent the uh, pressure you must feel now when you're having sex? No. No, not at all. You need to fuck me right now. <laughs> I'm ovulating. And I can feel it. And I want it. Hey, hey. Okay. I want it. Okay. 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 What? All right. No, nothing. I, it's it's tough, you know, to just become this uh, sperm machine. I'm no, I mean, you know, it's I exist. You know, I, and I'm, don't give me your feminine side right now. I mean, I love that about you, but not right now. Right now, I just I just want you to fuck me. Yeah, she she definitely is. Well, his and mom, he, his mom was saying like you know. Oh yeah, you you're never complete until you have a child. Yeah, it's about well, your personal. Oh, like, oh well, that well she can go fuck off. But oh, absolutely. I, I, absolutely. I I missed I missed the vial. Like I I guess I wasn't paying that close of attention. No, no, there was no um, vial that you could see that I. Oh, know. okay. I, I just thought so, like maybe you know they were watching yeah. TV and then she's like, well, we could just do this, and she was trying to be, I don't know. No, she, she was looking at her fingers afterwards. I don't, it, and- it seemed like something that I would expect the first couple to do. Like he's bored and on the and on the couch, so she jerks him off. Like that's what I no, not for she, the couple getting pregnant. So you're saying that she's she was trying to scoop up something. Well, or <laughs> she's thinking about it, or you know, yeah. it had to do with her obsession with getting pregnant, and it seems like she is building up a thing in her head that it's that it's because of him that she can't get pregnant. And she's going to do a workaround. Um, well, yeah, it's got to be him because she's got a beautiful uterine lining. Yes, and that's all that it takes. And she has a follicle, it's, guys. She had a follicle and she, you know, blah, blah, okay, blah. Okay, so this is what Adam Scott has to say about that scene. Um, they wanted it in the contract that they could show my erection on the show. So we were like, oh, wait a second. Once an erection is shown for a television show, it's no longer a fictional show. Now it's documentary or porn. So we had exactly. them take that out. So what we ended up doing is when they needed an erection, we would have this fake penis that I would have to put on. Like it had straps and stuff. And in the pilot, she gives me a hand job. So they had to rig up a fake penis that shot hair conditioner. It had a pump in it. And there was somebody behind the couch working the pump, and it could malfunction and spray all over everybody. It was hilarious. The scene itself looks real, but we were just kind of laughing. It was ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't look real. Is that what is that what Jonesy was doing? He had like a bottle of conditioner in the bed, and he just kind of because I thought I saw a squirt there too. <laughs> 
You saw the sheets no. just dampen. There's like this, all of a sudden this spot just spreads. <laughs> it's just conditioner, though. Guys, That's really, like- this show is just about hair conditioner. It, they're just trying to sell beauty products. Really? When he was, you know, when it started out with him masturbating under the sheets, first of all, I'm like, oh, really? We're doing this, are we? Okay. And then I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm thinking, under the sheets? Isn't he going to make a huge mess under it? Doesn't he have <laughs> tissues? I mean, where are the tissues? He's waits till afterwards to get the tissues? I mean, isn't I there a huge mess underneath the sheet? And he's got to clean that up. That's all it takes to clean that up? You know, I mean, that's where my head is going. And he's a poor planner. He's a terrible planner. And none of this makes any sense. And for trying to be a realist, I mean, obviously they were trying to be, ooh, we're very realistic. It's like, no, you're really not. I mean, I'm not even a guy and I know, you know, how that works um, because I'm not a kid. He, and, prob- he wouldn't have had the sheets. He would have taken the sheets down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then you would have seen the mechanical penis guy. <laughs> then you, right. Not only that, but you would have seen like two other people on the crew like working right. in it. <laughs> <laughs> Which would have been a lot more interesting. It would have been hilarious. Out. That would have been a much better show if every sex scene you saw, like, you saw crew members in the background, like manipulating, like yeah. prosthetics, giggling about the whole thing. Yeah, it uh, would have been. So you know, I mean, I I was just very distracted by stuff like that, where it's like, okay, so you're doing this, ooh, outrageous, ooh, sex, ah, and no, meanwhile. It was- it's really totally awesome. distracting because it's it's not, you know. <sighs> uh, no, for me, it was just really awkward to watch all these problems. Like, these people yeah. having all these sex problems. Like, it's just yeah. made really uncomfortable. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. It just felt so... And I suppose that's why. Because it's so intimate. And you feel... It, it feels voyeuristic, I guess. Very voyeuristic. Yeah. And I can see yeah. why, like, you wouldn't like watching something like that. Because, yeah, it's just... This is people's private lives. Yeah, and I mean, I'm Even not... Even they're not real people, you know? <laughs> I'm not much of a prude, and I've, you know, I've seen a lot of stuff, and this was just not interesting. Um, like, when we were talking about humor before, and when they were having sex in the car, it would have been nice if she sat on the on the uh, horn or something, you know? <laughs> and, and then the two of them just end up in giggles or something, you know? But it's like... Yeah. No, and the the logistics either of like car a car sex in a public place in daylight in a in a uh, in the front seat. Yeah, did he have a stick shift on that? I mean, uh, did he um, have a <clears throat> shift on the floor on that? Because yeah, because position wise, he had a stick shift, and there were two crew members operating it. Yeah, really. <laughs> But, you know, I mean, things like that, honestly, normally get to be very funny. You know, if you're trying to have sex in the front seat of a car, in the middle of a parking lot, in the daytime, usually it ends up being pretty silly. Yeah. And, you know, and either funny or incredibly embarrassing or both at the same time. You know, these, they had opportunities to do this, but... The whole point was, you know, the function of sex in a relationship is to, you know, do this, to bond people together. It is to uh, make social contracts. It is to, you know, because that's, it was all very academic almost. Mm-hmm. Which I 
I did like the uh, the scene where Ali Walker goes to therapy, and the therapist says, "You know, your husband's not here, mm-hmm. and when you get home, he's going to ask you, mm-hmm. did you talk about him, and what did you say about him?" And eventually, he's going to show up at my office, or you know, in 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 therapy, and he's going to accuse us of talking about him, and he's going to want to uh, assert, you know, like who he actually is, and and then we can begin an actual uh, dialogue. Mm-hmm. And it's just funny how it played out exactly how she said it was going to. I mean, though he hasn't come into therapy yet, but yeah. when she's home, it's, did you talk about me? What did you say about mm-hmm. me? So why are you here? Well, actually, I want you to help me get him here. <laughs> if you can't, I don't think I can. Listen, let's forget about your husband for a moment. <clears throat> Tell me what you want. I don't know, I just... I just, I want to be close to him again. Like, um, like we used to be. Sorry. Why? What do you miss? Um, feeling like I'm in it with someone. You think having sex again will do that? Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I think it will. Are you willing to be here without him? Well, can I? <laughs> you wouldn't be the first wife, nor husband, for that matter, who's in couples therapy alone. I feel shitty. It'll be worse for him. We'll be talking about the marriage, and you'll go home, and he'll want to know what we've been talking about. And then he'll feel angry because you've been talking about him without his being here. He'll feel misrepresented. He'll feel outraged that he doesn't have a voice. And then sooner or later, he'll come in here just to let me know how unfair it has been. And then we'll start the other part of the process. And what the other thing she said about uh, having sex is easier than talking. The other couple did that too. Mm-hmm. And the thing, the interesting thing, I did think it was interesting when they took that because when she said that, I was like going along with her, and like, "Yep, yep, that's exactly what's going to happen." I absolutely believe, you know, every bit of what she said made perfect sense. And then when he did the whole thing of, well, if we have sex. Does that mean you'll stop going to therapy? If that's the case, here I'll have sex with you right now. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that maybe was their a insurance different. just doesn't cover therapy. <laughs> <laughs> but what it is. his reaction, I did like her reaction. The fact that she really got upset with him, and the would fact it that have, he didn't understand why. Would it have been a, a more interesting premise if they were a very like seemingly passionate? in love couple that had a, like a really good dialogue. They really enjoyed each other's company. It just, it seemed like they had, like everything was great, but they just didn't have sex. And she, and she just wanted to know why. And, and he's like, well, why do you have to, you know, rock the boat? But it, there's a lot of other stuff happening with their relationship. That's there is. Cause like when he, that whole scene where 
he called her and he was so flirty and oh i miss you and all of this and when we get, when i get home let's have a drink and and you know just be together and then when he got home he just had totally forgotten about that and was just like wanted to eat and he's sending mixed messages to her it's, mm-hmm. like, it's like going back and forth like yeah it's almost mm-hmm. like he's afraid of losing the comfort that he has but at the same time he doesn't really like yeah i think he's just comfortable but he doesn't want he doesn't want her no, he's using her. <clears throat> yeah. And he's ho- keeping her on a string. That's why I say he's a piece of crap. Yeah. <laughs> Don't mince words, guys. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. How do you really feel? <laughs> I, you can tell I, I, you know. I can't do this without you. I don't want to do this without you. Look. I know, of course, over 60 years you're going to be attracted to someone, okay? That's no big fucking revelation. Hey, but you pussy out every time I ask you what you're going to do about it, and it's starting to fuck me up. No, I don't. Then say it. Say you'll commit to me for life. Because I trust you, and if you say it, that's enough. (sighs) Oh, fuck you. I love you. I... Love you. That's not the issue. I That's never you. been the issue. Let's find out what Harold thinks of this because he's okay. Us feedback. Uh, Matt, why don't you read this one? As to the love show, sorry, I forgot the full title and I'm too lazy to look it up. I gave it two shots. Each time I watched about 15 minutes. As a middle-aged person who has been through the ups and downs of relationships, I recognize that they were tackling some actual issues that affect real couples, and they definitely had a solid cast. But it didn't engage me. I liked the one woman deciding, or I, I liked that the one woman decided to bail on her upcoming wedding when she overheard her fiance having a locker room talk, <laughs> although not in a locker room. And I liked that this was a deal breaker. At least I hope so. I only saw half the episode, but I was dying waiting for the wife to talk to her husband about masturbating or the other couple to stop putting on a good face for their therapist and talk honestly in the room. And that's when I turned off. As I'm writing this, I think I'm realizing that these characters felt like situations in sketches, not fully realized people. And I'm just not that interested in seeing issues dramatized. Uh, I want to see developed characters dealing with situations. Instead, another show I've recently been binging on Hulu, I got a free subscription as part of a newspaper promotion, so I've been taking advantage. Thank you for clarifying that, Harold. (laughs) <laughs> that deal relationships in a very funny way and on a few rare occasions is completely soul crushing is you're the worst it's, it's like the o- exact opposite title yeah it's a much much better show um, i have heard that is a great show i think i watched the first episode and never watched the rest but so, i i've heard really good things about that one so get a newspaper subscription people if you want to get on hulu do it up Ugh. <laughs> Is that the end of his? Oh, uh, that's the end. Thank you for sending that, Harold. Thank you, Harold. Thank you for, um, for so going much along more. along the ride with us. He didn't talk anything like about the banging. Like he didn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't talk there, about the sex. Matt. It's all there. You don't need to talk about it. But we just did for like I don't know thirty minutes already. <laughs> that's all we've been talking about is banging. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'm looking at my notes here. Very, sh- not too many. Yeah, I, yeah, 
There's. Uh, I wrote, um, how about that theme song? What? No theme song? Go fuck yourself, show. <laughs> um, oh. I wrote, he- I wrote, here comes the nudity. Male asses on parade. I was waiting to see, like, yeah, like, I, I literal dicks. Surprised there was no literal dicks. Was, Let's see some dicks. Yeah, yeah, really. Which is, you know, you I have dicks often on shows. That's right. Yeah. Lots of familiar faces, but pretty slow. What used to be called softcore porn, but is still boring. <laughs> <laughs> Noisy for the parents in the other room. Jesus, they can't even make the sex funny. Infertile woman has heels on during pelvic exam while thinking about uh, inseminating with another man's sperm. I thought that was so bizarre when she got off the examining table and she had those heels on. I didn't I was know. Like, really? That's because she, your... she was on a work break. Yeah, but I mean, talk what? about being buttoned up. You're, you know, you're at a. You can you're take your a... heels off to get on that table. Like you can yeah. wear heels in stirrups. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, she's so buttoned up and she's so repressed that she actually has her she very her pointy. Very Maybe. pointy black stiletto heels on. Maybe they had little like, holes really? for the stilettos so that she could put her foot all the way into the stirrups. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe she's found like... that those heels hold the stirrups better than... <laughs> and then at the very end, I just have, okay, it just moved into porn without the Maybe Maybe porn. the gynecologist is really kinky and made her put the heels on. <laughs> yeah, maybe she Aww. was, but... Uh... <laughs> You know, so that's, that was, I mean, that's another thing. Like, we didn't get any, we could have had a lesbian couple or a gay couple. We didn't have any mixed race couples. We didn't have any, any, uh, black couples, Latino couples. It's just no. white people, hetero white people problems. Mm, Is yeah. that a missed opportunity to provide some dimension? Yes. Yeah. Sure, I mean, if we're going to be academic about the whole thing, you know, I mean, okay, you know, lesbian sex, real lesbian sex, not not oh let's titillate the guys you know would have been at least different and uh gay sex you know it's like hey go for it that's why there should have been an anthology series that's right meanwhile and maybe that maybe that could have been you don't like these characters no check out the next episode (laughs) yeah quite honestly though if you know i truly think they probably would have kept making it all very boring but they could have they could have had like themes, I guess. They could have said, "Check out these affluent white people and their problems." Now check out, and this other neighborhood. What's their problems like? You know, because that's the joy of my life is to watch other people's problems, yeah, not getting no, solved, um, yeah, and then just go around and around. Yeah, that is what TV is. But yeah, it is. It is really. I don't even think I would watch a show where they did that. Like I don't. Like, it's just awkward. It's awkward. You feel like yeah, you're putting on their lives. <laughs> it's it's also I I found myself equating it to action movies where there are no developed characters. It's just all about let's get to the next fight scene, and then there's a fight scene, which I have a tendency to be very bored by unless the fight scene has some kind of character development or plot development in it. And it's like, okay, so here we've had another fight scene. I'm, I'd actually be curious as to how much of the 48 minutes or whatever this show was were just people having sex. Um, Matt, did you just send us a link to a cat sniffing? 
Well, I mean, while we're talking about fetishes, uh, I just found an article um, about I love it. China's youth obsessed with cat sniffing, burying his face in the fluffy body of his cat, inhaling deeply while stroking its tummy. Zhao is one of China's many cat sniffers, a term coined for those who obsessively smell and cuddle their cats, often multiple times a day. Oh my god. I, as a veteran cat sniffer, if I don't get my fix, I feel absolutely terrible. I have a serious cat ad- cat addiction, says another cat lover. Wow. You gonna try that on, on your cat? Ugh, no. <laughs> I like, cats do smell like, kind of like, I don't know, like fresh laundry or something. Especially yeah, they when do. they've just been outside. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they them. do. Yeah. But, but I, I, mean... I don't... I don't go and like take a drag like every day. Like if I'm holding, <laughs> if I'm holding my cat, sometimes if I kiss them, I'll sm- like you know I'll inhale and I'll smell them. But mm. I'm not like oh my yeah, god. Yeah, oh I've I've smelled yeah. my. I've, I'm always amazed when I smell my cat and he smells like good or fine. Like yes, yeah. not stinky like dogs can smell. Like, s- or like smell, or like smell a, bad. They don't smell like cat sucks. breath. You know. <laughs> no, yeah, they don't smell like their breath. Their their fur actually smells really good. But I just it's yeah. very, I gotta huff I gotta huff my cat. Man, I, I can't go four That's hours so without smelling weird. my cat. <laughs> you just carry like a little clump of fur in your pocket and you pull it out every once in a while. Oh, a little Ziploc oh. bag. <laughs> Where'd the clump of fur come from? What dead cat are you? You brush your cat and then you kind of like roll up the clump of fur and put it oh, in Oh, that. Pocket. Okay. <laughs> That's bad too. Uh, mm. I this, smell that yeah, cat. It's, it's weird. I mean, I, I'll... When I've had cats, which I miss my cats. Smelly um, cat, smelly cat, what are they feeding you? <laughs> um, the other quote here, my wife and I are not ready to have a child, so we give all our love to our cat. He, he added that he will buy anything related to cats. My cat has supreme status at home. And then in addition to raising a real cat at home, this person also pours over photographs and videos of cats shared by other cat owners online. And this online phenomenon is known as cloud cats. Where apparently they check social media throughout the day to see cat things. China's empty nest youth form a large part of the growing population obsessed with cats, many of whom, while working in China's big cities far away from their families, find companionship in both virtual and real pets. Wow. Yep. Oh, they, they import cat food from Canada. <laughs> I didn't know we were so, uh, <laughs> our cat food was so great. <laughs> so why'd they break up? They stopped having sex. And they hate each other. Which came first? I think they stopped having sex and then realized they hate each other. You think they hated each other because they stopped having sex or they stopped having sex because they hated each other? I think they stopped having sex and then found out they hated each other. Sex is a great thing to hide behind. That doesn't make any sense. For a lot of people, it's easier to fuck than talk. Says who? Whatever. But every couple I know that stops having sex ends up hating each other. All right, let's rate this. Uh, would you watch another episode? No. No. Carol, what's your rating? Um, I'll give it a three. Three fake-looking erect penises. <laughs> right. Out of ten fake-looking erect penises. Speaking of fake-looking, does uh, what's her face from Lost? Has she had work done? Matt um, thought her boobs looked like little cakes. They, they were cake <laughs> shapes when she laid down. They, they kind of oh. had plateaus on top. Was she topless? Yeah, she was. Yeah. Like uh, the the scene. Penny from Lost. Parents. Yes. When they're at the parents. Oh, I didn't notice. They were doing it. You could see yeah. how little I I must have been 
taking all these notes. She had like she had yeah her her boobs were kind of like they looked like a little like round cake. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. With like a little like you know nipple on top. <laughs> Cherry on top. Cherry on top. My Brings me back to that uh, episode of Hooplecast where we talked about the girl who would sit on cakes and, and fart. <laughs> 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 my my oh. oldest friend was uh, oh. a big or it is and was a big Star Trek fan. In the original series, they used they used to have these these bras or whatever that were like cone shaped, kind of like the uh, the Madonna things long before that yes. and my friend would always talk about how she was always afraid the guys were going to get stabbed when the, these women were lying on their backs with these pointy things sticking up out of their chest and these guys came down like because they looked like they were sharp but uh they do, they do look yeah like yeah they were going to be impaled <laughs> but, uh, <sighs> so yeah um it, it, yeah i didn't like it I didn't like it much either, but I I don't know. I found it a, actually more interesting than the the previous than John from Cincinnati. That that one to me just felt too messy and too um, I don't know angry. Like uh, and the the characters were so unlikable. Um, the drug I I, well, I already talked about why why I didn't think that one, that show worked. Um, the thing that intrigued me about this one was just seeing actors who were familiar to me in kind of an earlier show in their careers. So uh, I think I'll just give it the same score as I gave the last one. Five and a half out of ten uh, clandestine deposits. <laughs> Go ahead, Mel. No, I'm... Whatever. Right. Uh, I would watch another one if it was an anthology series, but not, but not another episode with these characters. Um, I, too, enjoyed it more than the surfing show. Just a little bit. Uh, yeah, just, uh, I liked that it was a bunch of couples with different problems, but in retrospect, yeah, they, they could have done more with the diversity. Um, the sex scenes were probably unnecessary, uh, but I don't know. It was just okay, again. <laughs> like, a lot of these shows, just okay. Uh, 6.5 out of 10... Beautiful uterine linings. Just gorgeous. <clears throat> like a sunset. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah, I kind of... Yeah, it's the same. I feel the same as you guys. I don't know. There's nothing much to add, really. Like, Yeah, it was just very awkward to watch. And I don't think I would... I might try another one just to see where it goes. But... <laughs> I don't think I would keep watching. Um, I'm going to give it a 5 out of 10. Oh, I have no idea. Uh, Cake boobs. Cake boobs. <laughs> Cake boobs. <laughs> well, we haven't had a, a pair give us a an average rating that low since uh, we started the podcast. No, that's not true. Hotel room and perversions of science was pretty low. <laughs> it was the lowest. Yeah. Um, this one between the two higher. of them, it averages out to a five five point two five. Yeah. Not not a strong pairing. This was a time when the network really did not have a hit or a clue what it was doing. <laughs> did not have a marquee show. Um, all right. 
They want to know what we're going to watch next time. I already kind of previewed it. We'll be watching In Treatment. What's that? Uh, it's based on an Israeli show, and it's, it's rather unusual in its, its construction. Um, it's about a therapist and his patients, and every episode is a different patient. Uh, they're about 20, 22, 25 minutes each. And the way it originally aired was like, on Monday he sees, uh, Laura. On Tuesday he sees Alex. On Wednesday night you would watch an episode where he talk, he's, uh, with Sophie. Then on Thursday it's Amy and Jake. And then on Friday he sees his own therapist, uh, who's played by Diane Wiest. Uh, and then the next season was a different set of patients. And then there was a third season, a different set of patients. Though they didn't stick to the five night a week schedule that they did for the first. Mm. Uh, first season. Um, mm. so what I remember about the show, um, certain, certain, uh, patients were more, have more interesting problems than others. Mm. And, um, but I, but I liked it cause I, it was just, you know, people talking, but it, it felt, I mean, you talk about voyeuristic, but yeah, it, it, it was, it was intriguing. It was, and because they were only like 20 some ep- minutes per episode, it was pretty easy to uh, digest. It was, it was kind of fun checking in with these people yeah, uh, every like week. A, like a, I thought for this series, like, yeah, I thought the, the sex therapist should be the constant and then every episode is different couples. But yeah, it's kind of an interesting premise just following the therapist and their patients. It's kind of like Dear Abby, the series. Ah, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Uh, so the yeah. first episode that we'll, we will watch, um, is the character, the patient is Laura. She is an anesthesiologist who is erotically fixated on Paul. She's played by Melissa George. Paul is played by, um, played by, um, da, 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 what's his name? Gabriel Byrne. Couldn't think of who it was. Um, and then we should watch one more to, to round out the hour. Um, and I'll, so I'll give you the patience and you tell me which one you want to watch. We, uh, Alex is played by Blair Underwood. He is a fighter pilot traumatized by a recent mission gone wrong in Iraq. We have Mia Wizakowska, Wizakowska, playing Sophie, a suicidal teenage gymnast. Then on, uh, Thursday, M. Beth Davids and Josh Charles play Amy and Jake. They are in couples therapy to decide whether or not to end her pregnancy. Or you could see Paul going to see his own therapist and mentor, uh, played by Diane Wiest. That might be the most interesting to see him in therapy. Mm, yeah, yeah. You know, when you said it, actually, the show today could have been a lot more interesting if it had been the couples going to therapy and then seeing what the real their real lives were like. Mm, oh, yeah. You know, and kind of... You know, it, it, I think that could have been interesting as opposed to what they did. Okay, so we'll watch um, M- Monday's session with uh, Laura and then Friday's session with uh, Gina. Okay. Okay. And I might watch uh, Sophie as well because I think I remember uh, hers being the, the most compelling. I think because I just like the young actress. Mm. Mm. Yep. Oh, and then we are going to watch the premiere of the miniseries John Adams. So oh. that should be a very high caliber show. Hmm. I've I, watched, I've seen it before, so it's good. I've seen most of it, and then my um, DVR broke, and I lost all the episodes that I had taped. So I never got to see the end. It'll be fun, a little American history. Yeah, I like John Adams. Yeah, should be good. 
Bring all the uh, history facts, Carol. He messed up when he was president, but he was he was an amazing guy. You don't really want me to bring all the American history facts, do you? I want some American history facts. Okay, okay I'll try the and... most. Bring the most important. Like bring right. like be like five. <laughs> Like five. <laughs> top, okay. five. Top, top five. Top five facts about John Adams. Okay, I'll try and uh, bring some interesting ones. Okay. I mean, there's one or two that I could reel off now that uh, I'll I'll I won't. Like, how was his sex life? You know, those are the things we want to know. <laughs> Did he go to therapy? Um, I don't think they went to therapy, but they seem to have had a pretty good sex life. He and his wife. Uh, Abigail. Yeah, the right? letters between them were were quite uh, um, romantic. Oh, we're going to have to find find one and read one. And uh, there was definitely... The musical 1776 actually uses um, words right out of his letters set to music at times um, and are able to do that because he was such a, a good writer and his wife was such a good writer. She was amazing. He was married to an amazing woman. It was a real partnership, and uh, they were actually able to use their writings in the musical, um, just in some cases, just set them to music. If you can imagine just being able to do that with your letters, you know, being that kind of a writer. And um, yeah, they got, uh, they got a little sexy now and then. <laughs> well, good. You I know? think that's, that's um, and optimistic that that will be in a fun pairing. I mean, may, I don't think they're going to pair well, but I think it's going to be. A, I think it's going to be a fun recording. Yeah. I'm optimistic that we're going to enjoy watching both of those. Okay, Ooh. I know I'll enjoy watching John Adams ones because I've already seen many of those. As always, you can find us on the internet. Go to our Facebook group. Just go to Facebook, search for Hooplecast, and join the discussion group. Uh, go to our website, hooplecast.com. That's where you can find links to, to episodes and show notes and discussion threads on Twitter. At Hooplecast, I retweet Deadwood-related things and always send us feedback, hooplecast at gmail.com. Uh, we haven't done this in a while. Guys, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, nowhere. <laughs> Just here. Okay. Yeah, I'm not any place right at the moment. Actually, no, here. that's a lie. Uh, Shenmue AM2 podcast. Say that again? The Shenmue AM2 podcast about the video game Shenmue. Oh. It's a pretty, pretty niche podcast, Matt. Yep. <laughs> Um, is is Matt is wrong about stuff still going? We're gonna try and start it up again. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think we do Sunday the fourth. Uh, February. Yeah, February sure. the fourth. Remind me as it gets closer. <laughs> All right. And uh, I'm still doing Spartacast with Will. Uh, we recently covered um the documentary Be Here Now, uh, which. Spartacus star Andy Whitfield is battling cancer. Um, the battle does not end well. No, it doesn't. Um, it's a it's an interesting uh, documentary. It it tries to be kind of like put a positive spin on the on the whole experience. Um, left me wanting, I think. Mm. But we so we we talked about that for like a good forty five minutes. So that uh, was just released, and then next Sunday we're going to talk about um, the first two episodes of the third season. Of Spartacus, and uh, mm-hmm. and I should be on Intro to X in Calavici Fashion Cast soon. Got some things scheduled. Cool. Took a took a hiatus from podcasting and getting back into it. Okay, sounds good. I've got some unfinished business in podcasting, so don't Yay. know when that's going to happen. <laughs>
Well, thanks for joining us, guys. I'm surprised you're not cynical about it, Carol. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. I still have high hopes for it. Oh, that's Uh good. You have hopes. I I won't hold my breath. (laughs) (laughs) That is cynical, though. (laughs) I'd love for you guys to to finish that show that will go unnamed. I still... Ah. I have every intention of. We actually were talking about finishing it, and um, and no. I don't. Well, there was a specific. We needed to wait for a specific thing, and actually, that should have happened a long time ago. So we, I need to get back on the um, back and talk to everybody about it. Just put one it of, on the schedule. One of our people made a a joke about you know oh maybe we should take a break because somebody's busy, but um, <laughs> yeah. Yesterday or the day before, so hmm. so it's still on people's minds. It just hasn't, yeah. Uh, I know. I still I'll, haven't I'll watched put it this the way. last. Tammy, yep. Brad, and Claire show up every Sunday to talk about the X Files, a show they hate. I think you guys uh-huh. could, can schedule a uh, a bi monthly recording of a show you actually like. Yeah, one would think, especially since we have what three or four episodes left, something like that. I don't even know, but I. I have to go back and rewatch everything to uh, to remember what all happened. What the name of all the characters are, but uh, yeah, I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. I'm I'm up for it. It's other people who have had problems. Cut those other people from the show, <laughs> unless it's all of them. I <laughs> see. <laughs> Not all of them. I mean, obviously, Emily finds time to do pa- podcasting, and you uh, just need to have a one woman show, Carol. <laughs> But who can I be cynical with? I know. With yourself. You, know, you have to have... <laughs> no. hmm. All my right, cynical, well... The cynical part of my nature is something that I fight hard and long against. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Life's too short to be cynical all the time. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm hopeful. That's right. That's the opposite Cyn- of cynical. Cynical yet hopeful. Yeah. That's right. I'm a hopeful cynic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, everyone enjoy the rest of their day. Thanks. Take care, everybody. Thank you Bye, so everyone. much. And fuck you. Oh, I thought maybe he had forgotten. No, never. <laughs> it's what he lives for. <laughs> That's very sad. Hashtag fuck you. <laughs> All right, everyone, go, every, I'm going to hang up. Everyone can go smell their cats. Oh, uh, I miss my cat. Oh, miss all my kitties. Just, just go find a random, go to a shelter, go hug a cat. <laughs> Give it a drag. Yeah. Give it an old. Yeah, I was talking yeah. to my son the other night. We were so we were so missing our cat. She get another. I was one. like, we want to get. Actually, I'd like to get two more. Oh well, there you and, go. Twice. But, uh, twice the, the smelling. Everybody, go to shampoo their hair. Okay. <laughs> Use actual <laughs> shampoo. I've been down here such a long, long time. My neck is at a weird angle, and I don't love the view. I've been working hard here, not sure what else to do. Maybe I'll try eye contact. (laughs) Nope, no eye contact, I feel like a creep. Maybe it'll be over soon and I can go to... Ooh, I just chagged, I hate chagging, it's so embarrassing. I did it again. Who was the first woman to put a dick in her mouth? So avant-garde, what a pioneer. God, I don't know anything about the history of women. 
If a hipster comes on someone's face, does he make it in a figure eight like little cum glasses? Pearl vision. I want to make you feel good, and stopping now would feel kind of wrong. I want to make you feel good, but only if it doesn't take too long. What should I do? My mouth is so dry. Is it considered lubricant if I start to cry? If my dad saw me now, I would feel so bad. Oh my God, stop thinking about my dad. The length of time down here I'm willing to do is directly proportional to how much I like you. I feel like you should know that and hurry up, because guess what? I don't like you that much. Or maybe I do. Who are you? Seriously, who are you? I'm 36 years old and I forgot who I'm blowing. I can't be down here any longer with not knowing. You've got one of those dicks that I can't seem to place. I'll pretend to take a deep breath and look up at your face. Oh, it's Derek. I want to make you feel good. And stopping now would feel kind of wrong. I want to make you feel good. But only if it doesn't take too long. I feel like I haven't heard silence in such a long time. Is this the first time I've stopped talking in like two years? Am I talking to fill the void of the great big empty? Am I always like so I don't have to face my fears? Do I really need a dick in my mouth to stop talking? Don't I ever shut the fuck up? God, I'm so sick of myself. I need to talk to my therapist about why I talk so much. Am I scared of